get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone. Happy Monday. Great to have you with us. The opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis at 7 o'clock. Your time check. Brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Yeah, it is. It's a happy Monday. Matthew's already, we're, we're 10 seconds into the show and Matthew's shaking his head. Come on, man. You don't need to shake your head. It's Monday. It's happy. He got a, he got a good hair. Nice haircut. Nice haircut. Looking, looking, yeah, he's got it going. Looking good man. over there, man. He got, he got it going, going on. A little I first half parlay win for him. <laughs> yeah, he's a happy camper, and he should be a happy camper. And uh, congratulations to all the Chiefs fans. I know we had a lot of Chiefs. We do have a lot of Chiefs fans in the St. Louis metro area. A lot of Chiefs haters as well. Mm-hmm. So we're bummed for you on the heels of Kansas City's 38-35 win in Super Bowl 57, played last night in Glendale, Arizona. We're going to talk a lot about that during the course of the day. We're going to talk with Mike Martz about the game coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. But a lot of Super Bowl coverage, a lot of Blues coverage, talk a little Mizzou, a little Cardinals as they get underway this week. How was your weekend, Mr. Kerry Davis? I had a great weekend. It was uh, you know exciting time watching the Super Bowl, just hanging out, just a uh, good football game. It was I'm always uh, intrigued when when the games are really good. So yeah, I thought it was a good game. And the the instant analysis, and we always do the instant analysis. It's really hard to pick a best Super Bowl ever. Well, no, because no, we've had no, no, 57 not, of them. That's right, not for not, you. It's not hard no. for me to pick a best no, Super it's Bowl. Not. Maybe everyone else. Yeah. Super Bowl 43 is the best Super Bowl ever. Uh, no, yeah, there's, hands a, down. Well, there, there's a, hey, you got you got guys making plays, interception, longest interception yeah. return for a touchdown. Touchdown, pretty game-winning touchdown. You know, yeah, it was a Super Bowl ever. Who used to wear number fifty-two for the uh, St. Louis Rams? Who's driving around late right now, listening to us, uh, saying, "You know what? Maybe, maybe what <laughs> he I might was... have a different. <laughs> yeah, might, he might have a different idea of the best Super Bowl ever. Uh, you know, teach his own. <laughs> what a game last night, though. Thirty-eight, thirty-five. The Chiefs win it, and it got off to a wild start. First quarter, Jalen Hurts a one-yard touchdown run. Back come the Chiefs. Mahomes to Travis Kelsey. How does Travis Kelsey always get open? It's uh, it's absolutely amazing that he somehow, you know, it was one play where they they booted to the right and he kind of did a, he went to the right and then came back to the left. Some some of those things you're you're just unable. It's just good play calling. Mm-hmm. But all in all, he's really good, Randy. And it's hard for defenders to stick with him for a long time. Um, He's just better than them. That's what it boils down to. He's better than them. He's amazing. 7-7 game and then hurts to A.J. Brown for a 45-yard score with uh, 14-52 left in the second quarter. First play of the second quarter, 14-7 in favor of the Eagles. Back come the Chiefs, but it's because of their defense. Hurts on a quarterback draw. Nowhere to go. The ball is loose. Sitting on the turf. It's picked up by Bolton. No one in front of him. He's going to score. 
Bolton with the touchdown, tied at 14, but a touchdown and a field goal by Philadelphia before halftime. It's a 24-14 advantage for the Eagles as we start the second half. But the Chiefs score on a uh, touchdown run by Isaiah Pacheco. He makes it 24-21. And then Jake Elliott with a field goal, 27-21 Philadelphia as we move to the fourth. Patrick Mahomes drives his team 75 yards, nine plays, capped by this. Quick throw. Tony's got it. Tony walks in. Touchdown, Kansas City. 28-27. What a play call. What a play design by Andy Reid and that Kansas City staff. Well, Randy, here's the thing. You, you ha- we have so much information. And when I say we, I'm talking about football players and football coaches. You have so many, so much information that you're given throughout the week in terms of what coverages they're going to run in a certain part of the field, what the percentage of that coverage is in a certain part of the field. And I think the Chiefs were able to get a, a tendency on the Philadelphia Eagles because not only did they run that play once, they came back and ran it again, the same exact play from the other side, mm-hmm. um, because there's a tendency, I'm sure, in that area of the field for the Philadelphia Eagles. They're going to be in man. They might have been, Randy, you, you get so many breakdowns, they might be 98% mm-hmm. man-to-man or 100% man-to-man in that zone, and they understood it, the Chiefs did, and they took advantage of it. Kansas City is able to force a three and out. A big punt return by Tony, 65 yards down inside the 10-yard line, and that set up, as Kerry said, the same play on the other side. Blitz coming, Mahomes, man wide open, touchdown Chiefs and Sky Moore! You know what? Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore played a big role last night. Those are young guys. That's like a a third-year guy and a rookie for Kansas City, and Kelsey is the the centerpiece, right? They go out and they get Valdez-Scantling and they get... Smith Schuster, but now all of a sudden they, they didn't have McCole Hardman last night, but they do have Moore and Tony and I could absolutely see these guys being impact players for Kansas City down the road. Well, when they got Kadarius Tony, that was one of the, the pickups that everyone looked at and said, whoa, that could be something special because you know the type of talent that he has. It didn't work out in New York. Uh, they moved on from him, but the talent that he has going into that offense, he's like the ultimate player uh, that 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 is makes so many moves and it's so hard to get a hand on him. He made a big play on on special teams, scored the touchdown. Um just a just a great job by him. And we talked about it Randy. We were asking, we went over each phase of of the team, which phase mm-hmm. would be most important. And I I explained that 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 Kansas City team kick up the the punt return that they had last week against the a couple of weeks ago against the Bengals was a huge return. This week a huge return again in the in special teams. Those are the things that set you up for those touchdowns and flip the field and change the game for you. So after the Sky Moore touchdown, it's a 35-27 game, but the Eagles are not to be deterred. The amazing Jalen Hurts leads that leads them on an eight-play 75-yard drive, takes 407, and he takes care of things himself. First and goal, they try to shove Hurts over the end zone, waiting for a signal. He's in touchdown, Eagles. And then Hertz ran for the two-point conversion to tie the game. So we're set up for a great finish, 35-35. They just gave Patrick Mahomes too much time. The Chiefs moving 60 yards in seven plays to the two-minute warning. And then on third and eight after the two-minute warning, 154 to go, Mahomes throws to Juju Smith-Schuster. Holding was called to give Kansas City a first down. The penalty called on Eagles cornerback James Bradbury. And Bradbury admitted after the game that it was a good call. 
I mean, that's not up for my judgment. You know, I, I was hoping he would let it go, but of course, you know, he's a ref. It's a big game. Um, and it was it was a hold, so they called it. Yeah, you can't just say let him play because it's the last minute of the Super Bowl. Well, Randy, there are <laughs> there are some franchises that I'm sure wish a referee would have blown a whistle. I think of Michael Jordan and I think of the Utah Jazz mm. fan base who when he kind of ushered Byron Wilson to the side and, and shot the jumper. That That's a fan base that may have been a little bit frustrated. I, I thought about the New Orleans Saints a few years ago where a blatant pass interference mm-hmm. call wasn't called and, and the Rams go on to go to the Super Bowl. There are times where you have to make the right call. That was the right call. Yeah. It, it's unfortunate that it happened in that moment. But that play didn't lose the Philadelphia Eagles the game. The fumble that Jalen Hurts had, that cost him seven points. The fact that you are probably 100% in the red zone going man-to-man inside the five and the, the Kansas City Chiefs picked up twice. on that boom, boom. and ran the same play twice, that's 21 points, Randy. Those are things that are going to lose you ball games, and that's the reason that they lost. That play at the end, you know, it's unfortunate. He admitted he did grab him. You don't want him to. You don't want to do that, but it's the right call, and unfortunately, it went against the Eagles. So after the penalty, Jarek McKinnon carries it down to the one, stays in bounds, clock running, couple of kneel downs, and then the winner. Eleven seconds left in Super Bowl 57, 35, 35 tie. The kick is good, and Kansas City leads 38-35 with eight seconds to go in regulation in Super Bowl 57. Six seconds left in Super Bowl 57 regulation. Hertz takes the snap. The Chiefs only rushing two on a delay. Clock is going to be out of time, and the pass is going to be underthrown. It's incomplete. It's incomplete. Everyone, everyone who claims the Chiefs' kingdom will raise a banner above the National Football League again for the second time in four seasons. The Lombardi Trophy has a red and gold reflection, a big red reflection. That's their second championship in four seasons, and third, their third Super Bowl in four seasons. And when you have a four-year run where one team is clearly the best and they've won their division seven years in a row now, I can put Dynasty next to their name. If I'm going to put Dynasty next to New England's name, I can put Dynasty next to the Chiefs' name and feel pretty good about it. I would like to see one more Super Bowl before mm-hmm. I... I think three is kind of the, the Dynasty standard. Winning three, you know, they've been to two, three, but to, to win three, I think that's when you say that they are a Dynasty. That's when you said the Bulls were. That's when you said the mm-hmm. Warriors were. You know, you got to win three of them. You, you win three, and, and then you start to talk about greatest teams of all time. So congratulations to Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and the Chiefs as they knock off Philadelphia 38-35. College basketball over the weekend. Mizzou with an amazing buzzer beater from DeAndre Golston to knock off sixth-ranked Tennessee in Knoxville, 86-85. to Mizzou did everything they could to get them back in the game. Oh, yeah, they tried, <laughs> but... They've got to sit up. East is inbounding. No timeouts. You got Golston. Couple of dribbles. He's got to shoot. Two seconds. Let's it go. Mizzou is not 
a stellar defensive squad. But when you score 86 and you average better than 80 a game, you can take your chances with your defense. Well, their defense didn't show up in the second half. They mm. were up by 15 at one point, yeah. and Tennessee started just creeping back into that game, taking the lead. Um, and you were like, ooh, this is, this is bad. When it's going well for Mizzou, when they're hitting shots, Everything else seems to go well. When if they go a two or three run, three minute stretch without hitting baskets, they're going to be letting teams back in the game. So they did do that. Golston obviously had the big shot to end the game, which was, I mean, it was a it was a it was hell awesome. of a shot. It was it was a hell of a shot from from beyond half court. I thought it was a you know it was a hope and a prayer, and it and it was answered. Other college basketball over the weekend on Friday. Congratulations to your Fighting Illini. They knocked off Rutgers, and the slew Billikens were just drilled at Dayton, and things are kind of getting away from the Billikens mm. here as they traverse their A-10 season. We continue today with the bracket, the greatest sports family of all time. Are we doing the entire Final Four today, Matthew? Yes, we are, sir. Final Four is set. The Mannings defeated the Longs over the weekend, so Chris and Kyle and Howie are eliminated by Peyton, Eli, Archie, and I guess Arch. Uh, the Griffies come out of the baseball bracket uh, with a close win over the Molinas, so I, I think Kerry's probably okay with that. I'm okay with that. Okay, good. <laughs> the Hulls eliminated the Sutters, so Brett and Bobby are the greatest hockey family of all time, and Serena and Venus, who are the number one overall seed, they beat the Ali's to advance to the Final Four. Today, the Mannings against the Griffies and the Hulls against the Williams, and we'll have all of those on our Twitter machine, and I will uh, retweet that. Is, is it up now already? Not yet. We'll put it up in a few moments, and we'll keep you up to date on it, Carrie. We'll also retweet it. We want you to know about that. And the Blues with an overtime win, 6-5, on Saturday night over the Arizona Coyotes. Ryan O'Reilly comes back with the winning goal. Congratulations to the Blues and ROR as the Blues pick up a win in their first game after their long break. That was a great win. Um, it, it, it started off pretty bad, mm-hmm. 2-0 in the first period, and that was kind of my my – my litmus test for what this team was going to be. I, I said if they stink in the first period, you kind of know where they are. But then they showed up in the second. They showed up in the second period. They did. You know, you know who showed up? Ooh. My guy, Cali. Yeah, my give guy, Cali Rosen showed up. Up, scored a couple of goals in the second period uh, to get them back in the game. And but then the Blues just started letting them back in. Mm-hmm. And just systematically, just doing what they've been doing all season, letting them back in, matriculating the ball down the field <laughs> yeah. at, in reverse. In, in reverse. reverse. Yeah. They started allowing them back into the game. Uh, but Ryan O'Reilly did get the game winner, which was which was pretty good for him, pretty cool for him yeah. to have that moment. We don't know if he's going to continue to be a blue, you know, the the the. The remainder of this season, but for him to have that moment, I thought was pretty awesome. And Friday night, if you didn't hear, Vladimir Tarasenko scored in his first shift, actually his second shift, first game for the Rangers as they won and they went 2-0 and over the weekend. Blues are back in action tomorrow night. Matthew Kachuk and the Panthers will be in town, and the pregame is at 6 o'clock here on 101 ESPN. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. It's the opening drive coming up. Three things we love from the weekend here on 101 ESPN. Back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Carrie and Randy, three things we loved about the weekend on 101 ESPN. Number three. CD. For me, it was the halftime performance. I, I thought Rihanna was awesome. I love the fact that she didn't have any 
guess she did everything on her own. She had hit after hit after hit. And I thought it was awesome. I, I, I realized that, well, she, she did a fantastic job of her performance. It was a concert for all those in attendance and all those watching. There are some, some people, you know, frustrated that she didn't do more. Well, you know. It is what it is. <laughs> Here's one thing. So was every guy sitting in the room saying, should I ask if she's pregnant? I, 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 listen, I learned a long time ago, Randy, if you don't know, you don't you say, don't you don't ask. ask. You just you just leave it alone. I was going to actually say that, and then I stopped myself here on the air. I, no, no, I don't know. Don't worry about it. It's been confirmed. We're good. Well, okay, well, then there you go. She's pregnant, and therefore oh, okay. there's no need, according no. to Rocky, okay, he, yeah, his sources. Right. We uh, <laughs> we don't need to see her jumping around and bouncing no. around. I, I, but it was a fantastic performance. In my Musically, eyes. it was sensational. I've just come to expect, and it's unfair, that it's going to be a spectacle when we get to the halftime show like it was with J-Lo a few years ago or as it was with Katy Perry or even Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson. That was a fun spectacle. But musically... It's hard to beat what Rihanna brought to the table last night. I'm with you. Yeah, she did a fantastic job, and and I said, as I said, by herself, yeah. no no guests, no nobody needed to come out. And, would you have liked to be one of the dancers? Nah, nah, nah. Yeah, I, I would have nah. been. I, I would have fallen down yeah, like halfway yeah, yeah, through. Yeah, that was a lot. Yeah, they, they were out there for a long time. <laughs> no, did you guys see? She said, "I'm going to bring out an unexpected guest." Oh, oh, she did say that. She said that. Wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, well, she, she no one saw that one did. coming. Somebody, somebody actually put on Twitter. That uh, her unborn baby has been in more Super Bowls than Dak Prescott. Oh, um, so anyway, they, they, they just take shots at Dak. The Philly fans booed the Walter Payton Man of the Year. They did. I, Come on. I, will say, I will say the one criticism I have is Hove was there. There's no reason that he shouldn't have come out for that last song. Yeah, Umbrella. Like, yeah if, if he would have come out for that, it would have been just ridiculous. Oh. CD, my number three is the national anthem. I thought Chris Stapleton did a representative job. He does it in 201. The over-under was 202. Chris Stapleton playing it close, but 201 was the official time. So anybody who had their money on FanDuel Sportsbook on the under for the anthem got it from Chris Stapleton. You, Thanks, Stapes. Right. I was going to say, you think he knew that? He, oh, he no. Going there's in. no doubt. There, he practiced it to be the under. One. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Uh, Randy. Right. Go ahead. Number two. My number two, Randy, was Jalen Hurts' performance in the Super Bowl. He he played a fantastic game. You know, came didn't get the win, but had 304 yards passing, one touchdown, 70 yards rushing, three touchdowns, had a crucial two-point conversion. This man is going to get paid this offseason because he's going into his final year of his rookie deal, and I have to take my hat off to him for for just being persevering through all of the things that he's he's had to go through, getting benched in the biggest game of his career prior to last night at Alabama when Tua Tungvaloa comes mm-hmm. in and takes his place. To, to have the fortitude to go to Oklahoma and, and be a Heisman finalist, to get drafted not in the first round, as probably he should have, but in the second round, and now take a team that – most people thought when he got drafted and Carson Wentz was the quarterback, no way he's ever going to play. When he did become the starting quarterback, they brought in Gardner Minshew mm-hmm. and thought that Gardner Minshew was going to become the starting quarterback. Taking this team, uh, only losing two games that he played in the entire season, one being last night, but had a hell of a game in the Super Bowl. And I'm looking forward to seeing what this young man is going to do for years to come. Kerry, I was thinking about this during the game last night. 
Baker Mayfield is the number one pick in the draft out of Oklahoma. Uh-huh. Kyler Murray is the number one pick in the draft out of Oklahoma. What you just said with them bringing in Gardner, Gardner Minshew and not really committing to him when Carson Wentz yep. melted down. Who's the best guy who should have been the first pick in the draft? Again, we have evidence that the NFL has no idea what the hell they're doing with quarterbacks <laughs> because he's the guy among all those guys. He is. He is. And by the way, the, one other point, I wonder if RG3 ever watches him play and says, man, I wish I would have been a better leader. I wish I would have been a better person in the locker room than I was. I think RG, RG3 watches all of these quarterbacks play and says, man, I wish I would have sat down and not played in that playoff game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, my true. Right. Uh, CD, my number two is I, I. there's one thing I wish. I wish that more people would copy great things. Okay. Because we have an iconic Nike athlete who went on Twitter with a missive on Friday when all he had to do was put, I'm back. Mm-hmm. And Tiger playing in the Genesis next week, announcing that he's going to be there for us to watch Tiger Woods play golf again was one of my favorite things of the weekend. We, we miss him. Golf misses him, and he provides so much intrigue. Whether he plays well or plays poorly, we're going to be tuned in to, because it's Tiger to see how he does, and I can't wait. I was glad, so happy. It was one of my favorite things to see the Tigers coming back next week. He's the one person that moves the needle, right? Mm-hmm. He's the guy that when he makes a statement, everyone in the golf world stops and listens and wants to know what's going on uh, for him to be back playing. Hopefully, he's he's in a better spot than he was the last time he was out there. I think he had to then he had to retire or, or, or have to yeah, he had to uh, ha- had yeah. to leave early because he yeah. was injured. Withdraw. He, withdraw. Uh, from the from the last match, he was dragging that leg around pretty pretty badly the last time we saw him out there. So hopefully he's he's a much in a much better position now. Number one for me, Randy. Number one is Super Bowl Fifty Seven. It was an amazing game. Uh, it, it went down to the wire. Uh, last second field goal. You know, just a lot of plays being made throughout the entire field. The stars showed up last night. Mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey showed up. You know, Patrick Mahomes showed up. Even though his his numbers may not show you that, he still had three touchdowns. But the big run that he had in the fourth quarter, knowing what he was dealing with with that ankle, it just shows you the 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 mental, you know, capacity that men that that these men have on the football field to be able to play this game at a high level. And it's 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 fun. It's fun to watch. Didn't go the way that the Eagles fans may have wanted or may have thought it should have, but I thought all in all it was a hell of a football game. It was an exciting game, and it was fun for for all that that were able to watch it. I'm assuming, assuming, without any real evidence here, that Patrick Mahomes' mental capacity was accompanied by some Toradol. Oh, it's no question, Randy. Let me tell you something. Toradol is a hell of a drug. He said after the game that he didn't get any pain reliever shots during halftime. That's what he said. Maybe not a shot. Maybe he took it orally. During halftime, he said. During halftime, correct. He he may have... (laughs) There are, for those that don't know, Tordal. You go ahead. Let me give you this description. So you, you, you're in a line. You're, you're, we're in a line prior to pregame. This is how we, we're, we're waiting. And the doctor's in a room. You go in. You pull down one pan cheek, one, one, one pants leg, and, and expose one cheek, and you get a shot, and boom, you're out of there. It's, it's a, it's like a, a, a manufacturing line. It's, it's assembly, assembly line. line. Yeah. It's just boom, boom, boom. Get out of there. And, and Randy, <laughs> let me tell you something. <laughs> I didn't feel anything. <laughs> the game started at 1 p.m. I, I wouldn't feel anything until about 1 a.m. I am good to go. Don't worry about me. So, so was Patrick. <laughs> so, so was Patrick. Uh, CD, 
I, I love the fact that your Illini got a win over Rutgers for all of our, our Kansas friends. Glad that they got a win over Oklahoma. But you cannot have beaten this this weekend. 4.2 left. He's looking. He's looking. Gets it into Golston. Left sideline. Comes into the front court. Golston a heave just inside of half court. Bang! Bang! At the buzzer! Golston's second game winner of the season. First against Central Florida. And now against Tennessee. Mike Kelly had the call on the Tiger Network as Mizzou does win it over the number six ranked Tennessee Volunteers, 86 to 85. And even if you're having a bad year, those games are pretty cool. But the Tigers moved to 19 and six. They're seven and five in the conference. They beat the number six team in the country. Sometimes there's shots that put you into the NCAA tournament. That might have done it for Mizzou. Yeah, I, I think so. It, they were they were in a in a bad place getting down to a Tennessee team, as I said, that they were up against. They had done a fantastic job of gaining that lead, and then a really terrible job of not hitting shots and letting Tennessee back into that game. Uh, and to make that shot in that moment on the road, uh, it was just a fantastic shot for for that young man and for Missouri. Tigers now fourth in the SEC. Who saw that coming in Dennis Gates' first year? That's what we loved about the weekend here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got four downs from the Super Bowl. Carrie, Randy, 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills. So celebrate summer with a new Big Green Egg, Weber gas or charcoal grill and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific and Troy, Missouri or online at HackmanSTL.com. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Kerry and Randy, and it's time for four downs from the Super Bowl. First down. CD, this one could have gotten away in the second quarter after the long touchdown pass to A.J. Brown made it 14-7. The Chiefs go three and out, and the Eagles have the ball back, and they're driving before Nick Bolton, the Mizzou product, does this. Hurts on a quarterback draw. Nowhere to go. The ball is loose. Sitting on the turf. It's picked up by Bolton. No one in front of him is going to score. The Mizzou grad had a great game. As a matter of fact, he led Kansas City in tackles in the game with nine. He had eight solos and nine total. 
And, of course, that fumble recovery for the touchdown. Cool to see Mizzou guys, I know not for you, but for me, <laughs> to see Mizzou guys succeed at such a high level and very easily could have had a second scoop and score yeah. if they would have determined that a catch was made. But I really like seeing Nick Bolton play well because I thought when he was in college that he was going to be a really good pro linebacker. He has become a really good NFL player. Yeah, he did a fantastic job yesterday. And and here's the thing, Randy. For all of those scouts that that – really have no clue. You talked about quarterback and how it's hard to, how they can't figure that position out. They can't figure out a lot of positions because here's a young man who is 5'11", who I'm sure has been looked over multiple times because he isn't the 6'3", 6'4", linebacker, the, the, the prototypical linebacker, but here he is with a C on his jersey, meaning he's a captain. He had two fumble recoveries for touchdowns, one being called back. Led the team in tackles for a defense that won the Super Bowl. Just did an outstanding job. And, you know, for him to, I'm sure, have to have fought through adversity throughout his entire career because they always look at you and say, you're not tall enough, you're not big enough, where do we put you at? He's done a fantastic job and did a fantastic job last night. For a guy that plays the position that you played, fullback, and London Fletcher was this way, too. To have a guy just show up out of nowhere has to be really frustrating. You have a guy be that quick. It's yeah. one thing to be fast, one thing to be quick. To, to have a guy show up out of nowhere has to be really frustrating when you're trying to block It's him. hard to find those guys, yeah. just like it is hard to find running backs when they're smaller behind that big offensive line. Same thing goes for, for linebackers that are able to use their hands and, and, and be physical and be quicker than most of the offensive linemen that may be blocking them. Like I said, he did a fantastic job, and I'm sure he will continue to do a fantastic job. Second down. For me, Randy, it's the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line. We went into this game talking about how good the Philadelphia Eagles defense was, how they led the league in sacks, how they were on a historic rate uh, of number of sacks and uh, close to becoming a historic defense. And this Kansas City Chiefs offensive line did not allow one sack versus a quarterback who had a bum ankle, who was not able to to do the things that he normally does. Um, they did a fantastic job of keeping that keeping him clean and making sure that they weren't that the Eagles weren't able to get to him. There was a point in the fourth quarter where I kept saying if the Eagles want to win this game they got to get home they got to get to the quarterback they got to get a sack and the Kansas City Chiefs did not allow it to happen they were able to move the ball they were able to take care of the football and that ultimately is what allowed them to win that game you look at that group and Wiley is the only guy that was even on the team when they lost to Tampa Bay a couple of years ago. But they bring in Orlando Brown. They spend big money on Tooney. They do a great job of drafting Creed Humphrey and and Trey Smith. That personnel group that has put together that offensive line in Kansas City did a magnificent job. And by the way... Everybody else in the league allowed sacks to Philadelphia. Like you said, 70 sacks on the season, eight more in the postseason. They did something. They were able to find something, Reed and his staff. And again, I, I put the entire offensive staff together here. They determined that they could do something to prevent Patrick Mahomes from going down. Yeah. And they did a great job. They did. Third down. Kerry, you talked about Patrick Mahomes and the, the bum ankle. And he wasn't spectacular through the year. He only threw for 182 yards. But on that bum ankle, he ran six times and... For the for the game uh, on those six runs, he was able to garner. Uh, actually, yeah, he he ran four times. I'm sorry for for 
No, Mahomes. Mahomes. Six 44. for forty-four. Six yep. for forty-four. That's what it was. But the big one was in the fourth quarter, and he ran for twenty-six to put them in position to score the winning field goal. He wasn't supposed to be doing that. He he did have the bad ankle, and he got hurt. Looked like he was going to get knocked out for the game in the first half. So it's more than just the arm talent, which is extraordinary for Patrick Mahomes. It's the running and the running on a bum ankle and doing things that leaders do. Here's his coach. He grew, he grew up in a locker room. He's seen the greats, and he strives to be the greatest. I mean, without saying anything, that's the way he works. I mean, he wants to be the greatest player ever. That's, that's what he wants to do, and that's the way he goes about his business, and he does it humbly, you know? I mean, there's no bragging. Uh, he could stand up here and give you the, the, these stats that are incredible that he's had, but he never, he's never going to do that. That's just not him. And so uh, we appreciate we appreciate that. And then when it's time for the guys around to raise their game, he helps them with that. CD, I thought he was done for the game, and for him to not miss a snap is actually pretty remarkable. It, it was. He came <laughs> back in the game, and and you know you can tell that it hurts. If anybody has ever had a high ankle sprain, it's one thing to it's hard to cut, it's hard to plant, and then when you get tackled or rolled up and it rolls inward like it did against him uh, for him in that game, it, it, it feels like it's it's you'd rather just have your foot not there. That's how bad it hurts. And to be able to finish that game, like you said, there were I'm sure there were some things given to him or or something that allowed him at halftime to come out there and, and have the mindset to to be able to play, but. Just mentally, the amount of pain and you're you're able to endure throughout an entire mm-hmm. season. No way you're coming out of that game, the biggest game of the year. Uh, he did. He he's he's a fantastic quarterback. He's done a great job his career. And last night was just a, another snapshot of who he is and what he's able to do. And going back to what Andy Reid said, he he wants to be the best of all time. You remember one time they were playing the Bears, and he it was against Trubisky, mm-hmm. and Trubisky was the second pick, and he used that as a chip yeah. on his shoulder. He's It's kind of Brady-esque, where he, he, or Jordan-esque, if yeah. you want to use that, where he's trying to find that chip to put on his shoulder to be even better. You always have to find something that keeps you going or wants, makes you want to keep going further. Whatever that thing is, that you can use to, to motivate you every single day is 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 what you yeah, do. Oh, Travis Kelsey last night. Nobody bigs us. Well, yeah, some people did. <laughs> <laughs> Fourth down. You talked about Andy Reid, and and let's go back to him. Just what he has done in his career. You know, Randy, there were questions if he would be a Hall of Fame coach prior to him winning his first Super Bowl. Well, I think after last night, all of those questions are definitely out of the door, out of the window. He's done a fantastic job, not only leading this franchise, but led a Philadelphia Eagles franchise to four uh, consecutive NFC Championship games, going to one Super Bowl. He has been a guy that that understands offense. We talked about we talked to Coach Martz about him last week and how he said he's just an awesome person. So you root for those guys. You talk about his coaching tree, all of the coaches that have coached for him and that are doing fantastic jobs in the NFL now and 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 throughout all of football. He's been a a I guess one of those guys throughout his enti- entire career that you just watch and just kind of marvel at and, and get excited for because he's just he's just a guy he's one of us mm-hmm. he seems like he's one of us just a normal guy but he understands football to a level that most people could not ever understand it and it's it's so exciting for him to win another Super Bowl but for him to have that is he one of the greatest of all time conversations that he's having now uh, that they're having now about him that wasn't taking place five ten years ago and you look at the evaluation Isaiah Pacheco is their num- number one running back from the seventh, seven round on, the seventh round pick out of Rutgers. Uh, they, they get 
elevated work all year long when they're healthy out of people like J.J. Uh, or Juju Smith-Schuster and Valdez-Scantling. Sky Moore. They, they're turning Sky Moore into a, a really good player. The, the Giants, and Brian Dayball's a smart football coach, but couldn't get the right. most out of Kadarius Tony. You look at the evaluation of a guy like Nick Bolton. I, I will say this. Over the last 30 years... The best head coach in the National Football League has been Andy Reid, and it's not even close. He goes to Super Bowls with multiple quarterbacks. He does a much better job of evaluating talent than all the other guys yeah. in the league. A- Andy Reid, to me, and I, I I don't think there's really much doubt about it, especially when you look at the fact that he's done it with multiple quarterbacks. I, I don't think there's any doubt that he's the best coach in the league over the last 30 years. He's done a fantastic job in two Super Bowls. Uh, in the last couple of years, and, and does not look like they're going to be stopping anytime soon. There, there's been talks that you know maybe Eric Bieniemy is waiting for Andy Reid to to leave so he can take over the helm. I I don't know when he ever leaves. If you got Patrick Mahomes, y- y- this offense is pretty much on autopilot. You don't have to go anywhere, and you can continue to win championships. And I think he's only 64. I know that for young people, they say I, I'm 60, so that's why I can say <laughs> <laughs> only 64. But I feel energized at 60, and I have to believe. Let's see, he turns uh, 65 in March, he, he's got at least five more years in him, I would think. Yeah, I, I agree. He, he doesn't have to move around a lot. And no. he's, uh, just watch those plays that Kerry talked about earlier. The touchdown pass to Tony, the touchdown pass to Moore, the scheme, scheming people open. He's brilliant, and mm-hmm. he should stick around because he can win a few more of these. Those are four downs on 101 ESPN. Kerry, Randy, Matthew, coming up. We've got Take It or Leave It. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. That's 314-399-YOHO on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text in to 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. The text line is open, 314-399-9646, brought to you by Air Comfort Service, Kerry, Matthew, and Randy. And CD, yesterday during the game on the big screen at State Farm Stadium, the one and only LeBron James was shown. And, as you might guess, with a lot of Philadelphia fans in the stands, he was summarily booed. Hmm. How did LeBron react? By feigning putting a crown on his (laughs) head. Take it or leave it. If you have to remind people that you're the king, you aren't the king. I'm going to leave that I actually like that that gesture <laughs> gesture by by LeBron. If if people are giving you crap and you want to let them know, sometimes you have to remind the masses of of who <laughs> you are. And I think that was a I thought that was pretty funny. That's that's pretty cool. Uh, so Randy, we, we we're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs and how they've been, you know, the strongest team in that division, seven time champs in that division, been to the Super Bowl a few times in the last couple of years. Um, there's a new head coach in Denver. One man named Sean Payton. And they, him and Russell Wilson had dinner the other night. Take it or leave it. Sean Payton actually gets Russell Wilson correct, and they win the division next year. I'm going to leave that. I'll take the part about Payton getting Russell Wilson back to playing well. Mm-hmm. Kansas City's just too good. Yeah. 
I like I like I like what Denver has though. I do too. They they were a quarterback away and they got the quarterback and they still were a quarterback away. Mm-hmm. It seems like they were head coach away and now they got the head coach. Thing is now they've traded a bunch of picks and they've also traded Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. I wonder if they're going to be able to manufacture a pass rush because they don't have a lot of cap room either because of Russell Wilson. I, I wonder where they're going to be able to rebuild that defense from. It'll be interesting to see. Mm. FM picks? Oh, that's what they've said. Let's see if it works. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Mizzou is poised to do what they always do. Play well during the season, build a very good record, get the fans excited, the team will have a good showing, and then lose in the first round. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. If they're a eight seed, you think they lose to a nine? They're, they're a five. There's no way they Carrie, lose to a 12. Here, here, here's the fact. <laughs> they're a two. Here's there's the, no way. Th- oh, here's, the thing. Here's, here's the thing. Don't you. Okay, that was dirty. But here's, here's the thing. If it's an 8-9 matchup, if it's a 5-12 matchup, whether they're the 5 or the 12, heck, if it's three rounds in and they're playing a number one seed, I have no confidence either way because they could go 12 of, uh, of 21 from the three-point line well, let's, and let's, beat anybody. Let's not get beside okay. ourselves. They're, they're, it's they're true, probably no, not I'm, a sweet 16 team. No, but, but that's the, the thing with this Mizzou team is any night they come in, they can force turnovers and they hit a big number from the three-point three line, and they can and the numbers will break out that they will beat almost anyone in college basketball Take that the, night. Yeah. Take it or leave it. Or they could stink. In the last decade, you have filled out an NCAA bracket that had more fives beating 12s than 12s beating fives. I'll take it. I don't know why. You should I have. I always take the 12. You should I, have the 12. Yeah, 12-5 is, that's the game yeah. for, for whatever reason. Yeah. And it's always at least even for me, if not picking more 12s than fives. I never win bracket pools because I just pick a ton of upsets because go, that's hmm. more fun. That's, well, it makes it makes watching that, the games more doesn't fun. doesn't make any sense if you're trying to win money. I'm not trying to win for money. I'm trying to enjoy the games. You just go with the first you're couple that, of days. You were that kid, yeah. huh? Yeah. You, you were that kid. I was trying to enjoy the games. Who, no, 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 no. You were always that kid that always picked the the win against what everyone else was doing. <laughs> like, you were the one. It's literally like, just college basketball. Well, I'm it's just literally just. Like, I want a like, reason to root for Morehead State you, to beat Louisville. Would you be the announcer that when the guy goes to the free throw line and he hasn't missed a free throw in 30 attempts, no, you're gonna remind so. the you're gonna remind the the world that he's he's every, thirty for thirty and every his last broadcaster has done. A, I'm just uh, asking, has, are you that guy? Without, not on purpose, no. No, okay. I didn't know if it was not intentionally. No, okay, no, that. I, I just wanted to know. No, it's just literally with with NCAA brackets for me. I want a reason to watch. So you just choose. Chaos. I want a reason to watch a fourteen and a three. More you choose violence every time. So I, I choose violence every <laughs> single time. Go UMBC. <laughs> Loyola Chicago in that situation. Oh, you can go with the, the retrievers. Really? So, so you had to come back. Okay. Uh, oh, sorry, my bad. Uh, take it or leave it. Rihanna needed to have that baby during halftime to save that debacle of a performance. Leave it. I'm leave gonna it. leave. How it. dare you? I'm it was fantastic. Leave it. I was, I was fine with it. I thought she did it. I thought, I thought it was. If you, if you focus on the music, I don't know. You want to be entertained. The music, the great. visual. I thought it was for someone that as as has been reported according to Rockio. She is pregnant. I want to make sure I put that out there. Yeah, she I admitted want... it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I it was wanna... confirmed. Well, uh, someone that was pregnant. The reps, I, yes. You have to. Yeah, you know, she she did a very good job. Fantastic. Uh, job. She was she was up on a platform, like fifty feet, like fifty hundred feet yeah. in the air. What more also, do you want? She's. Not... I ain't going up there. Here's the thing. She's not. She's not a dancer. She's an. She's a singer, and she 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 pulled out what she has, which is an incredible uh, catalog of songs, better than even some that might they call the best. I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, Be careful. (laughs) Take it or leave it. When Ryan O'Reilly is traded, the Blues won't name a new captain because Ryan O'Reilly will pull a Kachuk and re-sign this offseason. 
I'm going to leave that. I don't think the Blues will have enough cap space to re-sign Ryan O'Reilly. If, if he's not signed and is traded, the Blues aren't going to have enough cap space to sign him after the season if they don't have enough to sign him during the season. So I'm going to leave it. Yeah, that's... that's uh, And just, if you're Ryan O'Reilly and you're going to now be like a third-line center, you want to do that with a winning team that has a better mm-hmm. base than what you just saw the Blues have. I think that just... I think it just makes sense. Take or leave it. Wings are the best Super Bowl appetizer. And I got to take that, Randy, because they let me do a win in the draft. They sure did. My first one. I finally got a win in a food draft. I didn't get last. Not coming last well again. Done, yeah. I didn't get last. That's That That was the highlight of my weekend. Screw, <laughs> screw winning, <laughs> winning squares or watching a great Super Bowl. That, that That's what I loved. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll, I, I had uh, wings from Fenton Bar and Grill yesterday, and they were sensational. So I'm going to take that. Take it or leave it. After Roger Goodell said this, the NFL officiating has never been better, you knew this was going to happen. I, well, the NFL. Here's my that. There were so many things that that could have been. I don't been better. I don't think the officiating was poor, and there were a few missed calls that you know we talked about it earlier. There was a pass interference on Juju Smith Schuster earlier in the game that they missed on a third down that I thought was a big play. Bad miss. Um, but this one that they called, I thought was the right one. The field was atrocious, inexcusable. It is ridiculous to be able. To have your biggest game of the year played on a field like that, and, and, and I don't know, I don't know if it was new sod brought in. I don't know if it was if that is just how Philadelphia's, I mean, how uh, Arizona's field is. Maybe it's because they are a dome or, or semi dome and don't get natural sunlight. They I don't actually, know what the, it is. That field is they roll it outside, so it, they've got it, the the field actually spends its time outside. In Phoenix, and then they're able to just roll it in on a little well, platform. It, it's inexcusable. It's especially made gra- like new grass. They've been growing it for two years. Yeah, it cost eight hundred thousand dollars for the NFL to grow this Smart. turf, and then all the maintenance required over the last two years, plus bringing it to the site and rolling it in and everything. It cost them eight hundred grand for the entirety of the game for every fan who spent complaining about how bad it was. The okay. broadcasters, the players, everything. You might think that that's stupid on the part of the NFL, hmm. but this is a league that gave Drew. Bennett nine million dollars, so it's not that stupid. Oh, no. Drew wow. Bennett just catches a random stray on the Monday after Super Bowl. Man, he's already feeling it. Take it or leave it. The coach is only as good as the quarterback. The last two greatest coaches had the two best quarterbacks of all time: Belichick and Reed. I will leave that because Joe Gibbs went to three Super Bowls and won three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks. Now, you need to have a good quarterback. I'm not yes. saying that, but I'm not saying that a coach is only as good as his quarterback. And what, let's, get, let's get a cardinal one here as we transfer. As what do you think? Transfer. You agree? I, I, I agree. I, I, think, I think having a good, good, good quarterback assists yeah. in you being a, a great head coach. But, you know, if you can, you can find a way to win without that guy, I think you, you are still you're pretty good. Brian Billick Brian did Billick. it. He, he definitely did. <laughs> Fair enough. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals are going to regret not finding a proven left-handed shutdown reliever this offseason and relying on low-hanging fruit again. I'm going to leave that. They have like nine guys. <laughs> so they have like on their 40-man roster, I think they have nine left, maybe eight lefty relievers. You're going to find no, one? That's, I'm, I'm going to leave it. They'll, they'll be fine. Okay. Take it or leave it. You can't name what it, a pass is, a completed pass it is right now in the oh, NFL. Oh, take it. Because I thought <laughs> Devontae Smith's catch was a catch. I did too. I thought Goddard's catch was a catch, which it was, according to them. But there are, who the hell knows, man? Like, survive the ground, 
Control, mm-hmm. out of bounds. It, it, who knows? And survive the ground. It used to be that the ground couldn't cause a fumble. There you go. Right? Uh, uh, I yeah. don't know. Nobody knows. It's crazy. And by the way, <laughs> if you have possession of the football in the end zone, that's a touchdown. And they, they don't have that one figured out either. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your text to the Air Comfort Service. Text line 314-399-9646. Just put that in your phone and save it. Send us a text or a mic drop anytime. Coming up, as a matter of fact, send us a text about your favorite Super Bowl commercials. What would you think? Did you have one that stood out for you? We've got a few. And we'll tell you what they were next on 101 ESPN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. Welcome to Dunkin' and Special. Dunkin' Run, medium or large coffee, get a donut for an incremental dollar. Well, well, like, how can it be this inexpensive and good? One second, I'm trying to find the bagels. Do I look familiar? Oh. Should I be in it or do you want I just want you. a self portrait? What are you doing here? Curse me if I'm Is like, this oh. what you do when you say you're going to work all day? I, I gotta go, guys. Grab me a glaze. <laughs> it's 803 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Duncan doing a great job of utilizing Ben Affleck being a Boston guy. And then, of course, J-Lo. That was my favorite commercial of all of the commercials in the Super Bowl CD. That was a very good one. Randy, I, I'm sure that everyone, when this commercial came on... Everyone in the house was going crazy looking for the remote or wondering who changed the channel. The 2B commercial. Mm -hmm. That is a stroke of genius. That might be the best (laughs) Super Bowl commercial ever because we are going to talk about that. Randy, I had to go. I was yelling upstairs to my son, what are you doing? (laughs) How he would have changed the channel, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just assumed somehow or another he had gotten some device and changed the channel downstairs. He said, Dad, it happened on my TV too. And so then I went on Twitter and started looking and everyone else on Twitter was saying this same thing, how they went crazy. That's fantastic. I love it. What about you, Matthew? Did you have one that stood out for you? I thought that one was good. I, you know what? I, I 
I, I know a lot of people. It's gonna it's gonna make people mad, and that's partially why I'm saying it. But the flag football one was honestly really cool. I like. I, I thought I that, that was one fantastic. Was really good. I thought that it was, was really good. Great. I don't know why anybody would be bothered by well, that. Well, Carrie, come on. Yeah, I thought that was. You really know exactly good. why people are gonna be bothered. Really you know exactly why, why people are gonna be bothered about it. Yeah. But I thought it was a fantastic one. I mean, it was a fun ad in and of itself. Her running away from everyone, yeah. and especially mm-hmm. the mom brings her in. They're speaking yep. Spanish. Yep. She's like, "Come here," and she tries to get it from her, and then it kind of caps it off. Yeah. But the overall message, obviously, I just I thought it was fantastic. I've been a big fan of flag football becoming a bigger thing overall just because I think it's important for kids to get football skills before they should start hitting in in full pads and things like that. I think that's an integral way of of coaching football nowadays is getting the kids skills and and then also using it as an avenue to get people who can't play full tackle football maybe involved. It's fantastic. I love the ad. It was a a lot of players in that commercial. Mm -hmm. I love the part where Aiden Hutchinson and and, uh, Cam Hayward were at the door and he's like, no, you got to say it. Hello, it's me. It's it's (laughs) housekeeping. Like, I thought that was pretty cool (laughs) by those two. Uh, It was it was a that was a very good commercial. I like that one as well. I thought our friends at Mick Ultra did a great job with the Caddyshack spots. Mm -hmm. Both of them were fantastic. The Blue Moon commercial, I thought, also was the really good one where the guys are fighting the entire time and then finally it's just it's a Miller Lite commercial no it's Blue Moon commercial and then the other one that really stood out for me was the Google erase with Amy Schumer and Giannis able to (laughs) (laughs) able to to erase uh, yeah (laughs) who dunked on me (laughs) nobody dunked on me it was great and then uh, our friend John Hamm with Brie Larson in the refrigerator for the Hellman's uh, oh yeah 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 oh Hamm and Brie yeah (laughs) I did like that one too that was a good one that was true how many kids got hit because their dad was the man the channel was changing i, I oh, had yeah. no clue yep what was going on with did that you, commercial did you guys like uh, john travolta for t-mobile late it was another t-mobile commercial that yeah. i thought that i thought it was uh bradley cooper and his mom i thought oh, that yeah, was, i didn't like that one you that didn't much. like that no. one i thought that was pretty cool it's just him and his mom the, okay um I, I like that one because it has two of my favorite people in in any tv show ever which is zach braff and donald Faison from scrubs which is okay. kind of their they're like parodying yeah, their friendship yeah, yeah, from yeah. that show yeah. in that like arc of, of of commercials and so adding john travolta in it i thought was fun the one i did not like can we talk about for a second did anyone for a split second want to throw something at their tv during the amazon ad with the family with the dog and the dog I don't was like, even remember oh, there there's, there's, was an ad, and the, the family got a dog, and every time they leave the house, the dog would be really sad, but then would tear the house up, and the dog kept tearing the house up. And finally, <laughs> there's just a lone shot of one of the of the parents buying mm-hmm. a kennel. And you're yeah, just like, okay, what yeah, is yeah. about to happen to this dog? <laughs> yeah. And then finally they reveal that they got a puppy for the dog, so it has something to play with when they're uh, gone. But for yeah. there was like a, a three-second span where I was like, this is the most monstrous commercial I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> just gonna put Which is funny kennel. because right before that, the Bush Light commercial where they did the spoof on the Sarah McLaughlin commercial, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought that, that was, was fantastic where as she's about to start singing, yeah. he cracks it. <laughs> you know, that's a yeah. wolf, right? That yeah. was That was a great <laughs> ad. And then the other one, and we'll get to halftime here in a moment. The other one that struck me, I've got them all down on my phone, which is funny. Well, actually, there were two. The, the Mr. Peanut Roast. Okay. <laughs> that was good. And then um, the the Workday, you're a rock star. Yeah. <laughs> and then they have the, oh, the real rock yes, stars. Yes, that and the Workday, yes. you're a rock star one yeah, was really was. good. That was a good one. I'm guessing yeah. that was Gene Simmons? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I figured. Yeah, that yeah. was, God, good for, good for them. Good for Ozzy Osbourne. I know he's having health problems. I'm guessing they filmed that before his recent run of health problems, but if not... He was looking pretty good in the ad. Yeah, no doubt about it. Okay, halftime. Rihanna, and she, by all accounts on Twitter, got really good reviews. I thought she deserved good reviews. It wasn't 
typical of what the the Super Bowl halftime show has been for the last five years, because last ten years, because you've just had people that put on a spectacle. If you see yeah. Katy Perry in concert, if you see J Lo in concert, it is a spectacle, and this was just different. But I think people have to accept different for the talent that she has and Rihanna's voice. And obviously, a lot of it is is lip synced, and a lot of it is recorded. But her voice can fill up a stadium, and it clearly did. I thought it was fantastic. I thought that it was, um, you know, it was clean, it was crisp, it was it was well put together. I like the lights. I like the, you know, the the her going up in the air and mm-hmm. the, the dancers going up and down. Like it was, I thought it was really good. Yeah, not needing anyone else. And I, I and pregnant, and yeah. she did. A, I thought it was a. I thought it was an awesome job. Carrie, normally when somebody does a Super Bowl and they haven't been around for a long time, you figure, oh, they're coming back. They've got a tour coming up. They've got a record coming out. Clearly, she's not coming back anytime soon, Probably right? Not. Nah. So no, 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 she no just did it to to do it, and yeah. and good for her. And didn't put herself in a position. Beyonce was big in the news last week, right? Mm-hmm. But she didn't put herself in position like so many have. Katy Perry, everybody was talking about the left shark the day yeah. after she did it. It was everybody's talking about Rihanna. There wasn't any additional things that no, no. people were, could be distracted by. Yeah, just her. I thought it was pretty good. Her and her baby. Yeah. I thought I thought it was. Uh, oh, excuse me. That's right. That was Paul Stanley, not Gene Simmons. That oh, shows right. how much I know about Kiss. I don't know that much about the Kiss. That's why I was asking. Um, 314 said uh, halftime show was underwhelming. 314 also says she just needed that money, greedy. Here's the thing you got to know about the halftime, the Super Bowl halftime show. You do not get paid. In fact, you essentially <laughs> pay for the exposure yes. of the halftime show. Katy Perry had to pay, not Katy Perry. Um, uh, yeah, it was Katy Perry had to pay millions. I think they actually changed that Did because they change people it? started refusing. Once the NFL brought it up, people said, the hell with you. Well, you know, uh, the so NFL. They, but it's not as lucrative as playing a, a concert at an 18,000-seat arena. Can I give you a little bit, pull the curtain back for mm-hmm. those that don't oh, know? The oh, NFL before McCary comes to, in. The, use, the NFL used to charge the government for those flyovers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some people don't know that. Yeah. If you want to do a flyover, yeah, pay us to do that. It's not... Yeah. America the beautiful, home of the free and the brave. <laughs> Give us our money. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Just thought you all might want to know that if you didn't This know. is a league that was taking money for salute to service. There you go. When they when people would be honored at the game, and we yeah. honor a staff sergeant, whatever. They were actually charging the, the government for that as a marketing thing. And all the fatigue that they would wear for yeah. the games and, yeah. Hmm. That's, a, there. That's, that's the league. That's, that's you got to know what you're dealing with there's, here. There's hey, a little greed there. Hey, everybody's got a marketing budget, right? Yes, they do. That's, that's just, I mean, yeah. that's, that was my thing when that story came out. I was like, hey, man, everyone's got a marketing yeah, budget. Right, you got to spend right, it somewhere. Right, right and wrong. I'm, just, wrong. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not disagreeing with you. It's crazy to me how every year the dichotomy and reactions around the Super Bowl halftime show is people. I saw people yesterday saying this is one of the greatest of all time, which it wasn't. I saw some people saying this is one of the worst of all time, which it wasn't. And I, no one can ever agree. I want to know. Well, that's just the world we live in. I, I've come to realize it's starker that than normal. We could sit in a room and, and all hear the same. Someone could say something to all of us and we all hear it differently. And, and that's just the world that we live in. I don't know what people would want those that said it was the worst Super Bowl show ever what do you want her to do what did you want her to do backflips like what what more expose some some so, something I I don't know what more you need from from a performer to make you feel like you you didn't pay for it it was a free concert what do you want 
What do you want? I just want to know what they want so I can help with you. maybe uh, help them in the future. I'm with you. Uh, I would say that uh, Prince in the Rain, just because it was Prince in the, in the Rain, was pretty cool. It's, it's my number one, personally. Yeah, pretty good. Prince is Prince. He's exactly untouchable. Yeah. That's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Thank you very much for the texts. Now the football season is over, and the Blues are back at it after their win over Arizona on Saturday night. They welcome Florida to town tomorrow night. All the warm places, Arizona coming to St. Louis and Miami coming to St. Louis. Congratulations. Uh, Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN, joins us next on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. On Saturday night, the Blues came back from their break in the All-Star break with a 6-5 overtime win over Arizona. They welcome the Florida Panthers to town tomorrow. Chris Kerber is the voice of the Blues and always has a favorite Super Bowl spot on the morning after the Super Bowl. And I'm sure he does after Super Bowl 57. Kerbs is with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Randy, doing good today. How are you? Everything is good. Did you have a favorite commercial? Uh, I, I listen. Uh, I, I thought that this was probably one of the worst years for commercials I'd, I think I'd ever seen, right? Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I, I thought early on, I thought that they had a chance to beat the Ben Affleck and J-Lo one, and that was my favorite one. Yeah, I think uh, I think the one that grabbed our house the most, I, I was I was chucking darts <laughs> with Roman Duenas, uh, you know, who uh, sports producer over at Channel 4, uh, mm-hmm. 2, a good uh, buddy of mine, neighbors of ours, and... Uh, uh, he was over, and we were throwing darts during halftime, and and then eventually that one ad that came on that made me think that one of the kids sat on the remote. <laughs> that was that. That's probably the one that got everybody in the house. But that was, uh, aside that from that, I don't too. think there was another one that was memorable. Yeah, that was mine because I I couldn't I, I didn't know who was touching the remote <laughs> or what was going on, but they needed it? to get it taken care of quickly. Here's the but but guys. Now, listen, I'm a marketing guy. I study marketing in college. I love advertising. Uh, if, if I wasn't doing what I was doing, uh, you know, that's that, that was the field I wanted to get into. I know somebody, it looked like somebody had changed the channel, but I couldn't tell you today what the company was that the ad was for. <laughs> Tubi. T-U-B-I. It's a, a like oh. a, yeah, t- cable. Yeah, it's another, uh, another streaming, yeah, service. streaming uh, service. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to okay. find movies. All right. So, Curbs, we we essentially had, like, four different games on Saturday night, which was kind of fun. What was your main takeaway? Uh, Well, (laughs) the the rust of 12 days off uh, was number one. Um, You know what? I'm most curious about this moving forward. The timing of the Tarasenko trade, Randy, is an intriguing one for me because, one, I, I think it's been a long time in coming. But this, I think the, the Blues, have they've got a winning record this season without Vladimir in the lineup, and then they had a losing record with him in the lineup. Now, that's not hanging every win and loss on Vladimir Tarasenko. But what it, I think what it does for me is 
I'm not thinking, I, I don't believe that Doug Armstrong is going to change his course of action at this point. I think he knows where he's at. I think he's accepted where this team is at. I think his comments about that cup era being over uh, when he talked with the media last week are very telling. Having said that, it does give him a sense to assess this team for a series of games, a number of games again, without Vladdy's presence around and, and what that vibe is like. And if that vibe is truly different and, you know, I thought Ryan O'Reilly was the captain. I think it showed. And, and you know, I'd, I'd like to see what this team does now for a little stretch, uh, you know, with that one bit of issue taken care of. And, and, and I guess I'd add this, too. You remember how many times I've talked about over the course of this year how youth doesn't win, how you've got youth has to learn to grow in the league, right? You, you've got to get that experience. Well, to me – you know, the difference in losing some games and winning some games is, is having guys like Ryan O'Reilly, uh, that presence in your locker room and on the ice. When 71% of the faceoffs, 69% of the faceoffs, maybe by the time it was all done, uh, won key draws that allowed you to clear the puck down the ice and then scores the game-winning goal. You know, that that's a veteran experience versus a three- or four-year guy trying to learn those situations, and that's the difference between winning and losing. Hey, hey, Curbs, we, uh, I've been talking about Callie Rosen, I don't know, for, for the longest. What have you seen from him? I know we kind of put people in a box when they are, you know, they start their career in a certain manner, but he's showing signs of life every time he's out on the ice. What are you seeing from him? And, and do you expect his play in time to, to increase uh, as we continue in this season? Well, it's been a long time for Callie to just really get that opportunity. And every time he's gone in the lineup, for the most part, he's played, he's played really well. The challenge I think that Callie Rosen has had with this group is that really the top four spots block you from getting opportunity. I think Nico Mikola saw that too a little bit. Uh, heck, I even think I wonder how much it stumped some of the development of Perico here when, with, 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 when you're locked in with the four contracts that the Blues have had up there. But when he's had a chance to get in there, he's played really well. Now, the Blues' top four aren't overly physical, so the Blues have been looking for that edge in their uh, other defensive uh, groupings, whether that be Robert Portuzo, whether they wanted to see more of that from Mikola. Uh, and then, of course, you could see that's why I think one of the reasons they brought Tyler Tucker in and they're going to let him grow. That's not Callie Rosen's game. Callie Rosen's game is a little bit more like the top four that the Blues have right now, so it's been hard for him to crack that. Having said that, every time he's gone in there, He's he's played pretty doggone well, and and I think the biggest thing for him is his confidence. Uh, when you talk to him, he says, "No, look, I've, I I now know and feel like I belong and can play in this league, and that is a that is a huge thing when you finally get the chance." Curves, is there a way for him to crack that top four? I mean, if, is there a a player or players that aren't playing to the level that you know you need them to play at? And if he is playing better, do you think he should get that opportunity? No, I no, I don't think there really is a way to be honest with you. Not not unless one of those guys has moved. I, I think when you when you look at the contracts, you look at the types of minutes, you you look at the experience that those guys have. Uh, it's it. I don't know that there's a way that he does crack that top four unless somebody has moved out. Now, on a given game, carry, yeah, you, you might see a guy get more minutes, a guy get less minutes, but uh, on a whole, right now, I don't necessarily see that changing. 
Chris Kerber with us on 101 ESPN Curbs. It was interesting to me that in the trade that Doug Armstrong, the, the players that he acquired, Blay and Skinner, are are bigger players. And the Blues, since they won the Stanley Cup, I, w- I would guess that their average height and weight has dropped. I wonder if, as the Blues traverse this trade deadline, if we'll see more of that. If, if there was a coincidence that they got bigger guys in the deal or if that's going to be a game plan for Army going forward. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, question there, Randy, and I and I don't know what the real answer is there because I look at you know what you got and you got Sammy Blay who's going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Uh, Skinner, he's a big physical defenseman. He's got a hard shot, but he is a bit of a project. I mean, he, he spent 22 games in the East Coast Hockey League this season. Uh, you know, even in the New York Rangers organization. So that that is Doug Armstrong said more of a body for Springfield right now because they were going to call Tucker up and give him the opportunity. You know, but the New York Rangers also had to make sure that there was some cap space. Mm-hmm. So when the Blues got Sammy Blay back, they, they they got a guy that'll bang the body a little bit. They got a guy that just wasn't working in New York. So you know, I, I'm not. I don't want to read too much into what the return on that Vladimir Tarasenko trade truly is until you find out do they re-sign Blay? Uh, you know what happens with that draft pick. Who's do you get? Do you get the Rangers, you know, or is it the Dallas pick that the Rangers had acquired? All that kind of stuff. To me, I think I really think the biggest part of that trade was was able to get a first round pick, and then you know the others are going to help you get through the rest of the season, and you'll assess it afterwards. Hey, Curves, the Blues got the win, obviously, but gave up another five goals. Uh, one one particularly bad goal was the Keller goal, but other than that, I I don't see any glaring things that are taking place in front of the net that are causing Bennington to just miss shots, miss to, to miss saves. What do they need to do to prevent this many goals from happening? Cause it's not often that you're going to get six. If you give up five. Well, no, it, and they just, it, the, the defending is a team just hasn't been there this year. Uh, I mean, and so, and I think fans have to, when we talk about that, realize that we're not just talking about the defenseman, uh, you know, anybody that has a D as a title of their position. It's it's really the defending is a team, uh, you know. Guys guys come in two on one. Guys are open on the back door, you know. The the defensemen, you, you know, take a take a player, and there's a trailing guy that come in and through. It, it's it's crazy how it's all gone in, and that that game was Randy said there was like four different games. That one just got weird. We haven't seen too many soft ones like that go in off of Bennington mm-hmm. that'll that'll make the coach scratch his head. But that one kind of gave the momentum back to the Coyotes, but. Man, I'll tell you what, I was in the locker room before that, you know, the, the morning skate there, and we'll we'll go back in today. There, there's just, there's not quitting this team. Uh, you know, there's an attitude of let's just go one game at a time and see where it goes. And uh, in the end, a lot of different ways to break it down. And if you're going to continue to give up four, you're going to have to continue to score five <laughs> and see where it goes. It's, it's not likely to happen well that way, but uh, I, I guess one game at a time it might. Yeah, and Curbs... The reality of the situation, yeah, it is what it is. But it's always fun to have a guy like Matthew Kachuk come into town, like he will tomorrow. I always enjoy watching Matthew Kachuk play. Yeah, it's, you know what? I, I, I do too, and, and it's an interesting one. He, he's been fine. He's been much better for Florida than Huberto has been for the Calgary Flames. Um, you know, in that trade, he, you know what he's going to bring. You know he's going to bring grit. You know he's going to bring a little fire and brimstone with him. He's got that skill. Uh, it's fun because we watched him grow up here. There's, there's no doubt about that, you know, but I'm still baffled to be honest with you with the Florida Panthers, uh, you know, with where they are in the standings right now. I think, 
they were trending so well. And even with the moves that they had made, you know, I, to me, I just wonder if they made the right decision in, in letting Andrew Burnett, uh, who was a well-liked coach go, you know, and, and that's not a knock on Paul Maurice as it is more, they were doing well under Brunette. And, and I wonder if that decision has cost them a little bit because they may miss the playoffs this year. And that would be a massive disappointment for them. So big game tomorrow, really for both these teams because of that. And we will be tuned in. Curbs, always good to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it. Hey, Randy, one other quick yes. thing there. The, uh, uh, you know, he's coming back with the Florida Panthers, too. It's great to see Jamie Compon come into town, too. Uh, as, as you remember him, and now an assistant with Paul Maurice again who brought him yep. uh, back with him to Florida. So uh, and he's got so many terrific friends and, and people that, that, you know, here in town that, that appreciate, you know, who he is as a person and a coach and, and a friend. So not nice to see Jamie back in town with Florida, too. And a guy that was the Blues video coach, worked his way up to being an assistant coach, spent time in Chicago, won Stanley Cup championships there, and uh, like you said, has followed uh, Paul Maurice around and is a really yeah. good hockey man, but more important, is just a really good man. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. One you know, had his name on the Cups with Chicago and L.A. A terrific story, and uh, it'll be neat to catch up with him at the rink tomorrow. Hey, Curbs, uh, Saquon and Daniel back next year? Hey, I saw a tweet this morning from the New York football <laughs> giants there that, that said the next season starts today. So I, I guess I guess they'll go at it, and I'll follow a little bit. All right. <laughs> yeah. Curbs, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Have a great week. See you. That's the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, here on 101 ESPN. Tomorrow, the pregame for the Blues and the Panthers at 6. Alex Ferrario and Joe Vitale, and then uh, Joey will join Kerbs for the call at 7 o'clock. Coming up, we've got the fight for you here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio, and it is time for the fight, or as some would call, the bludgeon. However, our contestant today, Tyler, has been able to, I guess, avoid the bludgeoning and and take care of business as he goes for his third opportunity for a win and a Hall of Fame opportunity. Tyler, how are you feeling today about this opportunity that is in front of you? Pretty good. Are you are you excited? You ready to roll? You you just yeah. you, you focused, laser focused. You got Rock is over here sweating a little bit. He doesn't really know. See, here's the thing, Tyler. You, this is the the thing that people don't get to see. Rock is excited for our listeners, but he's also I don't know what word you would use. What 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 adjective would describe you right now? Nervous? Appre- yeah, apprehensive? Apprehensive? Uh, worried? Yeah. Concerned? Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> I want them to win. But you don't do. want to deal with Randy. But if a question if the, is if, not, yeah, if, if he's got an issue with, I can't see how he'd have an issue with any of these questions. Well, guess what? Guess what? I, Rob, but then again, I thought he was gonna like the Blues one from Friday. We'll, and he hated we'll it. see here yeah. shortly. Tyler, Hopefully you love up with hockey. <laughs> well, Tyler, are you ready? Well, to I mean, roll? I think you can guess what the topic of this of this fight I might mean, be. Yeah, we're ready. We got we got a, we got today in the bag. All right, Tyler, here we go. Travis Kelsey stepped into second place in career receiving touchdowns last night with his first quarter touchdown. Who does he still trail for the all-time record? Jerry Rice, Michael Irvin, 
or Rob Gronkowski? In Super Bowl history? Yep, in Super Bowl history. No, career, uh, playoff. Playoff, playoff history, excuse me. He's uh, yeah, second place in career playoff, playoff receiving, receiving touchdowns. Receiving touchdowns. Sorry about that. Uh, and what were the options again? Jerry Rice, Michael Irvin, or Rob Gronkowski? Uh, Jerry Rice. All right. Last night, Nick Bolton became the first Mizzou grad to score in the Super Bowl. Who is the highest scoring Mizzou player in NFL playoff history with four touchdowns? Is that Jeremy Macklin, Otis Smith, or Kellen Winslow? Uh, Who is the second one? I'm sorry. Jeremy Macklin, Otis Smith, or Kellen Winslow? Uh, Go Otis Smith. All right. Patrick Mahomes broke both the MVP and passing leader curse with his win last night. But who is the last running back to lead the league in rushing and win a Super Bowl in the same year? Is it Jamal Lewis, Marshawn Lynch, or Terrell Davis? Jamal Lewis. And Jalen Hurts broke the rushing record for quarterbacks in a Super Bowl last night with 70 rushing yards. Whose record did he break? Was that Steve Young, Fran Tarkenton, or Steve McNair? Man, he put two of them in there. Steve McNair, Fran Tarkington. Or who was the other one? I'm sorry. Uh, first one was Steve Young. And then uh, Fran Tarkington and Steve McNair. I got to go. Let's go Steve McNair. All right, we will double check our scores, and we will bring Randy in. All right, Tyler, how, how are you feeling after this? Um, not that confident as I, I, as I hoped, but... Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Well, you got an opportunity in front of you to be a Hall of Famer. We have not had a Hall of Famer since I've joined the show. Obviously, we have not had a Hall of Famer this year of 2023. And Randy is ready to roll. Randy, say hello to Tyler again. Tyler, good morning. How are you doing? Good. How are you, Randy? Doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right, Randy, you ready? Ready. All right, here we go. Travis Kelsey stepped into second place in career playoff receiving touchdowns last night with his first quarter touchdown. Who does he still trail for the all-time lead? That would be one Jerry Rice. No, Matthew just disappeared. Drop my pen. Oh, okay. <laughs> he disappeared. <laughs> I need to mark the answers. Up. My apologies. Couldn't see him. Uh, no, I have I have the correct answers all down there. Um, last <laughs> night, Nick Bolton became the first Mizzou grad to score in the Super Bowl. Who is the highest scoring Mizzou player in NFL playoff history with four touchdowns? So he's the highest. He's not the all-time leading scorer. No, he's the only one to score in the Super Bowl. But who is the highest-scoring Mizzou player in NFL history? uh, NFL playoff history with four playoff touchdowns in their career. Logic here, because he played in the playoffs a lot, and I know at least he's got four touchdowns. Mm -hmm. You say four playoff touchdowns. I think I'll go with Kellen Winslow. He had, I know, a two-touchdown game against Miami. Um, and then I think he had another one, another touchdown. In the, I'll go with Kellen Winslow. Patrick Mahomes broke the MVP and passing leader curse with his win last night. But who was the last running back to lead the league in rushing and win the Super Bowl in the same year? Probably Emmett. 
Um, I think, let's see. Sean Alexander didn't win. You haven't really had Super Bowl guys that have been Super Bowl, like bell cow running backs that have won the Super Bowl in a long time since Emmett Smith. Um, so I will led the league in rushing and won the Super Bowl. That's all. Yep. I don't think it was any of the Giants guys. So I will. I'll, I'll go with Emmett. All right, Randy and Jalen Hurts broke the rushing record for QBs in a Super Bowl last night with 70 rushing yards. Whose record did he break? 70 rushing yards in a Super Bowl game. Yes. And who, what quarterback had 70 rushing yards in a Super Bowl game? Well, I've got an idea, but I'll do the lifeline. Is it Steve Young, Fran Tarkenton, or Steve McNair? Hmm. I forgot about Steve McNair having a really good game. Uh, Tarkenton, it wasn't Steve Young because he threw for six touchdowns. Uh, He didn't run for that many in the Super Bowl. So we're we're down to Tarkenton and McNair, and I, Tarkenton spent a lot of time handing off to Chuck Foreman. So I will go with Steve McNair against the Rams in Super Bowl Thirty Four. We only had three people make it to this stage in the entire calendar year after I got here in 2022. There was a Hall of Famer in the beginning of January, but only three people since then made it to this stage in 2022. Two people have made it in 2023, both of them with a lot of wins last week. Was it enough for Tyler, or does Randy stave off another two-win fighter and continue rolling on through his streak? Ring that bell! Still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by Mobile On The Run. Join the On The Run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. Just win, baby. I'm so sorry, Tyler. You came so close. Randy beat you 3-2 to two in your shot at the Hall of Fame. Ah, oh well. I'll get a rematch. Again. <laughs> yes, you will. So close. So well done, Tyler. Let's go through those answers. Travis Kelsey stepped into second place in career playoff receiving touchdowns last night with his first quarter TD. That was his 16th. He passed Rob Gronkowski, and he is still six behind Jerry Rice, the all-time leader with 22. Last night, Nick Bolton became the first Mizzou grad to score in a Super Bowl. The highest-scoring Mizzou player in NFL playoff history with four touchdowns is, in fact, Kellen Winslow, the former tight end. Patrick Mahomes broke both the MVP and passing leader curse with his win last night, but the last running back to lead the league and win the Super Bowl in the same year is Terrell Davis. Hmm. And Jalen Hurts broke the rushing record for QBs in the Super Bowl last night when he got his 65th rushing yard. His 70 is now the new record, and he broke Steve McNair's record from that Super Bowl against the Rams where he had eight carries for 64 yards. A 3-2 win for Tyler in the fight. Thank you again so much for joining the fight over these last three shows. And, oh, sorry. A 3-2 win for Randy over Tyler (laughs) today. Thank you, Tyler, for joining us over these last three shows and three fights. Thank you so much. No problem. Thanks a lot, guys. Good All job, right. Tyler. Thank you, Tyler. Yeah. There it is. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Will you remember me? Don't let your love pass you. It's a slow burn. It's a slow burn. We've not gone. 
It's my quarterback. Oh, man. This doesn't feel better than Randy, than, Randy, than Randy steering a hole in my soul. It doesn't feel better. It feels, it it feels, feels great different. For you. It feels different, but I don't think it feels better. <laughs> it feels great for you. You should oh, be so happy. Carrie, are you so happy? Yeah, I, I am. I'm I am. breathing easier. I'm just here. <laughs> I'm just here. I've learned my lesson. I don't say much or do much. I just just here. Don't existing. say much or do much. <laughs> Stay out of the way. Everybody. I'm like an offensive analyst in Saban's, in, in Saban's coaching room, baby. Just stay out of the way. <laughs> Our friend John Denton over at Cardinals.com has his top three storylines heading into spring training. And we'll give you his and ours next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Everybody is already down in Jupiter, Florida, but pitchers and catchers are required to report tomorrow. Pitchers and catchers report. Pitchers and catchers report. Those are like the four happiest words in sports. <laughs> and then the first full squad workout will be Wednesday. First pitchers and catchers workout will be Wednesday. First full squad workout will be five days after that. Our friend John Denton, who covers the Cardinals for MLB.com, has his three big storylines for the Cardinals entering spring training. He asks, how will the outfield shake out, namely rookie sensation Jordan Walker? Number two, which pitchers will lead and and get contract extensions because you have four starting pitchers scheduled for free agency after this year. Obviously, Adam Wainwright in his last year in Major League Baseball. And John Denton's third question, did the Cardinals do enough to truly be World Series contenders? Again, if you look at the offseason, I would say no, but there's six months to play. There's a trade deadline, so things can change over the course of time. CD, I, I look at my storylines for spring training, my biggest one, and it is just like a, a giant red beacon in the night blinking. It's what is the health of Jack Flaherty? Yeah. And when Jack Flaherty comes back five days later after making his first start, is he going to be able to ramp it up or is he going to regress in terms of velocity and stuff? Five days after that, his third start, his fourth start. What is Jack Flaherty going to be over the course of six weeks? That's my number one. What do you have for number one? For my number one is the outfield. I mean, just figuring out who is out there. Are they healthy? Is it going to be Jordan Walker? Is it Newt, Jordan Walker, and and Dylan Carlson? Or is it Tyler O'Neill and and a combination of two of the other ones? Who is going to be out there and how well are they going to play? I I think um, we've seen Tyler O'Neill play at a high level and be able to be uh, an MVP caliber player when he's healthy and playing right. We think Dylan Carlson has, you know, all of the potential in the world. Newt is a guy that kind of gets put to the side because we talk so much about Jordan Walker and all of his ability, but that outfield, those four guys, and if you want to add Alec Burleson to that group, those five guys, figuring out which three are going to be the starting three every single day. All right. Here's my second one, and it's in regards to the bullpen and a guy that you are concerned, not concerned about, you're intrigued by. But Henesis Cabrera is pitching in the World Baseball Classic for the Dominican. Gallegos is pitching for Mexico. Palante is pitching for Italy. Romero is pitching for Mexico. The newcomer, Guillermo Zuniga is put, pitching for, or Zuniga uh, is pitching for Colombia. You've got so many relief pitchers that are not going to be there mm-hmm. during the course of spring training. I think one of the storylines here is what is 
or who is Jordan Hicks by the end of spring training? Esper, I wrote that down as well. That is my that is my one of my key questions as well. What is he? Who is he? Where does he fit? Because for me, if I watch him and I see him enough, and even the way that he carries himself, he's either a starter or a closer. He's not a middle inning, middle relief type of pitcher. His his personality doesn't fit that role. He's a he's a guy that you want starting, going six, seven, maybe eight innings, or he's a guy that you want to come and close the door. And and really, there's no in between for him. So where does he fit on this team? And if it's not on this team, where will it be? You mm-hmm. know, after this season, because if you're solidified in your role for him being a middle reliever, I don't know that he wants to to do that for the entirety of his for the entirety of his career. And then my third storyline, Kerry, and I know people will hate to hear this, but he has been down in Jupiter since Thanksgiving. All right, mm-hmm. so December. January, February. Don't, don't do it, Randy. No. Yeah. Don't do it, I'm, I'm intrigued. Randy, don't do it. I, I think to. it's okay. a storyline. Does, do does Paul DeYoung yeah, have a chance is. to win a job? Because as anybody who has rationally paid attention knows, the physical skill set is there, but hasn't shown itself mm-hmm. for three years. The Cardinals clearly still believe, John Mozeliak has said it, that they believe that there's something there that needs to be unlocked with Paul DeYoung. Do I want to see it? Not really, but Tommy Edmond is playing in the World Baseball Classic. Who's your shortstop going to be yeah. when Tommy Edmond isn't there? The guy's going to get an opportunity, and I think it's a storyline to watch. I don't necessarily think it's a positive storyline to watch, but the Cardinals are going to look at it that way. I am of the belief that the Paul DeYoung experiment is a storyline to watch for better or worse this spring training. Yeah, he's going to get plenty of opportunities, and, and we've talked to people that said he's actually looking – you know, back to to what he was prior to whatever it was that caused him to lose his ability to hit uh, in the manner in which he was successful with. And so if he's able to have that success that we've seen in the past and come back and and we already know what he is as a fielder. We trust him in the infield. He's one of your your A-plus defenders. But at the plate, he's a liability or has been a liability. Big time. And so now you want to make sure that if you if he's getting those opportunities that he is producing at the plate. So I I agree with you, Randy. That is going to be a key story to see how it plays out. And and there was I don't remember who we were talking to last week who who said, you know, He's performing well enough to potentially be uh, uh, traded if 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 he continues mm-hmm. to go in the manner in which he does. So Man, you know, John Denton. I think it was John yeah. Denton. So there are there are possibilities and things that can take place where he may not be on this roster, but if he is, he's going to be able to create some some things and do some things for you positively. People might not like it, but John Denton. Mike Claiborne. Yeah. I mean, everyone we talk to who, who who knows this better than we do says you have to keep the name up because if, if he if he hits, and, and we already know what the defense is, he's going to play. And that's why for me one of the big storylines is how does how does Norman Gorman look mm-hmm. consistently second in base. second base? Yeah. I mean that that's going to be a big thing when you talk about roster construction this entire year. Also, who gets who gets all the who gets the at bats as your DH? As, uh, that's going to be a big thing for me the entire season. Watching him step out immediately and play a solid def- uh, second base defensively. Also, we got a text here. I I love this. I can't believe this is the first text we got. The 314 says, I can already see Alex Reyes being an all-star with the Dodgers. I'm surprised it took until 858 for us to get a comment about Alex Reyes signing yeah. with the Dodgers, Randy. My number one thing is Wilson Contreras. I mean, him replacing you know, a, a, a legend in Yadier Molina with the rules changes and what we've talked about, the bases being bigger, uh, the pitchers not being able, maybe not being able to hold runners as as easily as they have in the past. How well does he do in the run game? Because we think 
that athleticism is going to be more on display this season and, mm-hmm. and in coming seasons because of all of the rules that have been implemented. How does he do behind the plate? I think we all are comfortable with him at the plate, but how does he manage the pitching staff and how does he hold runners, you know, from from just stealing at will on him? each game because that's going to be a key component for them to be successful as well. That's Kerry. I'm Randy, and those are three storylines as the Cardinals head into spring training this week. Coming up, Vladimir Tarasenko scored in his first game with the Rangers and played well in his first two games. So does that maybe change the way other teams look at the other Blues because they got away from St. Louis? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Carry break down the biggest story of the day on the opening drive. It's time for today's big thing. Adam Larson, a one-time New Jersey Devil, is on with Vince Dunn. They score! It's Tarasenko from Panarin! It's magic! That call from Rangers Television, our buddy Joe Micheletti, who we've, we've talked about him going, uh, Vladdy Tarasenko going to New York for, for several years. And now he is there scoring a goal in his first couple of minutes as a member of the Rangers and played well, Kerry, in his first game the other night for the, the Rangers. And then in his second game, even though he didn't dent the scoreboard, he, he played well again. First of all, no surprise there, right? There's a guy with a ton of talent and playing with a friend, playing with a talented centerman. No surprise that Vladimir Tarasenko's game would be solid in New York. Sometimes just a, a change of scenery allows you to to be the best version of yourself. And you know it, it, there were you know I, there were trade requests I think last year and going into the season and you know kind of the entire season of of what would this be whether he would be here or not finally got traded and and like I said sometimes just the change of scenery allows you to relax and have fun again. That that's playing sports even though you're getting paid and it's. Uh, an immense amount of pressure. It still should be fun. Mm-hmm. You still sh- should have fun doing it, and maybe he's able to go out and have a little bit more fun. And Kerry, what I thought of when I saw Tarasenko and the joy that he showed when he scored that goal was when Doug Armstrong, within the last month or so, talked about how he didn't want to bring young players up to this yeah. culture right now yep. because the culture was better in Springfield. He said that publicly. The, yeah. the president of hockey operations said that publicly. So I'm wondering if you're another team and you know exactly what Doug Armstrong said. And Doug Armstrong's he, he's pretty open. He's probably mm-hmm. saying it to other general managers, too. You see Tarasenko playing that way. If you're another team interested in Ryan O'Reilly, do you consider the fact that the culture here in St. Louis is not what the management wants it to be and think, okay, maybe the problem isn't the players. Maybe it's the overarching culture of this year's St. Louis Blues. Yeah, you can look at a guy's track record and see what they've done the entirety of their career and, and say, you know what, this is this season is a bad season for him personally, but the team is not good either. And and if you have, you know, coaches and, and general managers speaking on the team concept and the culture of the team in a manner in which you're saying that they aren't playing together they aren't playing the right way you probably would look at it as an opportunity to get that person in your team on your team in your lineup and say 
maybe we can change some things and maybe we can he can help us, you know, succeed and continue to win games and, and make a playoff push. And because I know what I know about Ryan O'Reilly and all of the other teams in the NHL know about Ryan O'Reilly, everybody that's in playoff contention, everybody, and that includes teams that are three deep at the center position, Everybody should be interested in Ryan O'Reilly, what he brings to the table in terms of helping young players along, what he brings to the table in terms of leadership, and of course, what he brings to the table in terms of his playoff pedigree and his defensive prowess. Did that goal he scored to win the game kind of feel like uh, uh, just like that moment where it's kind of the end of of Mm -hmm. what has been done and, and what he's done throughout his entire career? It felt that way to me, and I know it hasn't. We haven't had any trade uh, talks. There haven't been anything go across the the screen, the crawler. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that said he's been traded yet. But it just felt like that moment when he scored that goal. Everyone felt like they knew what was going on in that moment. And he's showing the rest of the league. Okay, I'm good. Yes, I'm yes. good. Right, I'm healthy. The foot I, is good. I, I'm good to play. Yeah, come get me if I, you want me. I, I felt the same way, and I would not be surprised if the Blues would take it down to the trade deadline. If there is a Ryan O'Reilly trade, because they'll probably maximize the value for him, as opposed to Tarasenko, probably able to be able to maximize the value for him as they approach the deadline. One of the things about Tarasenko was that Timo Meyer and Patrick Kane were both on the market, and for various reasons, neither of those two went to the Rangers. But there was there there was more supply than demand for Tarasenko. I think as we get towards the deadline, there will be more demand for a guy like Ryan O'Reilly than there will be supply. That guy just isn't out there this yeah. year. Last year, Claude Giroux was out there. This year, Ryan O'Reilly is kind of a, a, a unicorn in terms of the availability of players. We, we talk a lot about the Blues and their forwards not getting back and playing defense well enough. He's not one of those guys that you have the issue with or the concern with. He's he's done pretty much everything you can do the entire season, even taking blame that one yeah. would say is not your fault solely because that's what the captain does. That's what a leader of the team does. He's a guy, if you are trying to make that playoff push or trying to stay in the playoff run, you might want a guy like that on your team, a guy that understands how to play a champion and has had the C on his sweater. He's he's a guy that you want on your team. Mm-hmm. It's just frustrating that it hasn't worked out here for this team mm-hmm. in yeah. the manner that it should have. And my hope would be that the Blues can find a way to reach an agreement with O'Reilly. I think O'Reilly should end his career with the Blue Note crest on his chest, but I just don't see a way logically that that happens with the money that is going to go next year to Thomas and Cairo. By the way, let me just give you some ideas here. If I'm Dallas, and all of this is going to be obviously predicated on a team's ability to fit a guy like that under the cap, but if I'm Dallas, Colorado's now third in the... Central Division. If I'm Dallas and there's a chance that I play Colorado in the playoffs, Mm -hmm. I want Ryan O'Reilly to defend Nathan McKinnon. If I'm Winnipeg, I feel the same way. If I'm Colorado, I would want Ryan O'Reilly to handle the the top guys, the uh, for for Dallas, Tyler Sagan or Ben or whomever it might be. Vegas lost their top forward in Mark Stone, their captain, and they need to replace a forward. Seattle. And Seattle, I, for a second-year expansion team, they have cap issues. But would Seattle do well to have a Ryan O'Reilly on their team? Edmonton, if you're Edmonton and you've got Dreisaitl and, and uh, McDavid and you need a guy to shut down the opposition, you go out and try to trade for him. I don't see a team in the West 
that should not have interest mm-hmm. in a guy like Ryan O'Reilly. And that that doesn't even include a team like Toronto that should. Tampa Bay might not need a guy like O'Reilly. But you, most teams that are in the playoff hunt in the league could use a guy like Ryan O'Reilly. Are you looking for a, a younger team that needs a veteran that has done it, won, been, been, been a, a Stanley Cup champion and come in and kind of make sure you you ease things off for maybe some of those younger studs or younger talented guys that you have? Let me give you an example. The New Jersey Devils are having a surprisingly good year, but their best players, Jack Hughes, is leading them in scoring, and he's 21 years old. Their second-leading scorer, uh, left-winger by the name of Jesper Bratt, is 24. Their third-leading scorer among forwards is a more veteran guy. Nico Heischer is only uh, 24 years old. That is a really young team. Mm-hmm. If I'm New Jersey, I'm all over yeah. Ryan O'Reilly because of what you're talking about, a veteran that can provide, provide leadership to a group that really doesn't have it. And and you would hope that that group is willing to accept that leadership, a guy that has done it and willing to listen and not – I feel like at times there's been a, a power struggle. We talked about mm-hmm. it earlier with this Blues team with older and younger guys. It felt like it was a little bit of a power struggle. You would hope if you bring a veteran in there, you don't have that power struggle. They know what his role is. Is, and he knows what their role is, and, and they're all willing to accept it. And Ryan O'Reilly, one of the, one of the great aspects of him, and Robert Thomas would tell us, is he's the first guy on the ice and the last guy to leave, and he helps young players. If young players want to learn how to win and play in the yeah. NHL, after practice, you've got Ryan O'Reilly school going on. If you stay after, it's a great thing for a team because it's things that coaches ordinarily do, but you've got another player. Right. You've got a peer that's doing it for those it guys. It definitely helps. Yeah. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. That's today's big thing on 101 ESPN 912. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We'll talk about the Super Bowl with a Super Bowl coach, Mike Martz, next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. As all day, loaded up, taking a shot, looking for A.J. Brown. He's got it! Touchdown! Quick throw. Tony's got it. Tony walks in! Touchdown, Kansas City! Blitz coming. Mahomes, man wide open! Touchdown, Chiefs! It's Sky Moore! Super Bowl champ, Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Super Bowl 57 is complete. A 38-35 win for the Chiefs over the Eagles yesterday down in Glendale, Arizona. And we go to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity t- uh, line. A guy who's got a Super Bowl ring on his hand is former Rams head coach Mike Martz, who joins us on 101 ESPN. Coach, always good to have you with us. Good morning, Randy. Thanks for having me. Hey, we, we, we're, we're honored. Hey, I want to start with this, and this is kind of a broad question, but you were part of a franchise that we all thought should have been able to sustain things longer. Here are the, the Chiefs' three Super Bowl appearances in four years, two Super Bowl wins. How difficult is it f- from an organizational standpoint to do what they've been able to do over the course of the last four or five years? Well, I think uh, there's a, uh, the main factor is just it's about personnel, period. So when that doesn't change, the guys making those decisions on who goes and who stays, and they're all on the same page. And I think you can continue that. Um, ours was disrupted. You know, we had a, you know, it just was not a good working situation. And, and we lost a lot of really good players that we shouldn't have lost. And so it kind of decimated things for us. And I, I regret that and not much I could do about it, but it just happened. I think there Andy's got a lot of power 
and I think he's got guys in place and the personnel that will make really good, con- continually make good good decisions about personnel. And they're 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 getting better on defense, and I think they need to continue to build their defense. But you know, I think. Uh, I think they'll be good for a long time. Hey, Coach, we uh, we spent so much time talking about all of the skill players for both teams going into that game. But that game really boiled down to how well the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line blocked that Philadelphia Eagles offense, defensive line. What did you see from them uh, that allowed them to have that success? I was surprised because I was the one I really felt like Philadelphia would give them uh, a problem. But they did a, a terrific job. Uh, and they were they were just more physical than than Philadelphia was, to be honest with you. But I tell you, the the thing that they did that was kind of remarkable. Andy likes to play with open edges. He doesn't, you know, he blocks five guys and gets them all out, or maybe gets the back in a little bit. But they kept the tight end in a lot and and slammed his way on the way out, blocked him, double teamed the back and the tight end on the edge rushers, and they changed up their protections and gave Mahomes a lot more time. And in the second half, I don't know what happened in halftime or what was said, but when they came out in the second half, there was a complete different energy about them. And they came out and they were just, they blistered. You know, they were just uh, more physical, more animated, uh, more energy. So whatever they said at halftime, they came out and dominated that second half. They scored on every drive. But But to your question, yeah, the offensive line was dominant. And I really felt that was going to be a weakness for them. And it ended up being their strength. Mike, I watch games a lot and I think of you because you always told your team and you always told us you told your team the the mantra was play fast and be aggressive. And that kind of was what happened, like you talked about in the second half. They started just to play fast and be aggressive. You know, um, I think in a game like that, everybody is kind of it's like a boxing match. You kind of spar and you just kind of feel each other out a little bit and you take a couple swings and you know, I, I was thinking about this quote. Uh, Randall McDaniel played for us at Arizona State. We, we were playing Michigan in the, the Rose Bowl, and, and they, they were they got ahead of us right before the half. We're going in halftime, and I looked at Randall, and he just kind of chuckled, and I said, what are you laughing at? And he said, we got this, Coach. These guys ate nothing. We came out in the second half, and we just dominated. I mean, I, I think it's kind of the same thing with them. They were kind of sparring with them a little bit, they did. They were real conservative in their protections, which Andy isn't. And they came out of the second half and they rushed the football, and they did things that were contrary that that really Philadelphia wasn't prepared for, and Philadelphia was not prepared for how physical they were because they absolutely hit him in the mouth. Hey, Coach, we uh, I was telling Randy this earlier. There are uh, so mu- there is so much work put into game planning and scouting in an opponent. Uh, and when you get an opportunity like what the Kansas City Chiefs got down in the five yard line, knowing that they were going to be in a particular coverage, how exciting does that get for you? They ran the same play twice, knowing they were five and in on the plus five, knowing that this was going to be the coverage. It was going to be man to man. When you get a situation like that, that that. You know, you get that scouting report and it says 98% that this is going to be the coverage on this down and distance or something like that. How exciting is that for you when those opportunities are presented? You know, when you get down in there and, and you know you've got one-on-one and you're inside the 10-yard line, you you, you got to score. You know, you just got to score. You know, those little rub routes, fake rub. They did a fake rub, a little pivot. We used to call it pivot. Isaac ran a million of those, little pivot routes off of motion. And, uh, you know, those you, you got you've got to – stuff in a man-to-man where you can switch guys off and and force them to switch and if they're off if they're playing off under pressure and they're bringing them all 
boy, you got them now because it, there's just nothing. They can't help those picks and those fake picks and all that stuff. There's just so many good things. You know, if they're in zone, you know, if they stay in one zone, it makes it a lot easier. When you can predict what they're going to be in, and you know what they're going to be and you usually have good stuff, especially when you have two weeks to prepare for them, and, and they certainly did. But that it all comes down to it doesn't matter – if you can't pick up all the pressures that Philadelphia was bringing down there, which they did, and they did a remarkable job with it. Of course, Mahomes gets the ball out so fast anyway. Hey, Mike, I want to ask you about those two young receivers that scored the touchdowns. Looks like Kadarius Toney is going to be a nice pickup for the Chiefs, maybe maybe for a while, and then Sky Moore, who scored the other touchdown. That's another thing about Andy Reid. He was doing it uh, against the NFC when he had people like Freddie Mitchell and, and Todd Pinkston. He, for whatever reason, the, the scheme seems to make receivers, at least in my opinion, better. Is that right? Is do, Does the scheme that they employ in KC make better, players better than they w- might be elsewhere? I think the biggest thing is they do a great job of coaching details. And, and, and I know that sounds silly, but and guys that play course in the league and all that stuff, they, they'll tell you, you I can look at a team and know when all the little details are, and they're playing hard and they're playing fast and everything is crisp, you know, and that's what they do. So when a young guy who hasn't played much has got some ability, he's given an opportunity and he's prepared properly. He's going to have success, you know, um, and that's what they do, you know. So whoever comes in there doesn't just have a role. They let him grow and they teach him, you know, how to win on everything. And instead of just running around, they teach him how to do these things and why they're doing it. And it's it's just, there's such a discrepancy, I think, uh, in coaching receivers in the league. And they do such a great job with it and getting guys in a position to make plays. And, you know, great. There's really, both of those are terrific play calls, but Philadelphia is not a pressure team. They're just not, you know, and they got into that situation where it felt like that depression, but they got it dressed with, you know, with it. Mike, I'm, I'm laughing here because you gave us the great good fortune of being able to be on the sidelines and, and watch your practices. And I'll never forget, there was a guy, he wasn't here long either, uh, but during practice, I heard you yell, it's not a 17 and a half yard in, it's an 18 yard in. <laughs> yeah. That's the detail yeah. you're talking about, right? Yeah, exactly, because everything is timed. You know, the the steps and the rhythm of the quarterback's drops timed up with uh, the number of steps and the depth of, of the receivers. And, you know, be where you're supposed to be, uh, when you're supposed to be there, and don't fool the quarterback. And that's what I mean about the details. And just not the receivers. The offensive line, they got to do all the work within a two-and-a-half-yard um, deal from the line. And uh, three technique, the guard's got to step and get his hands on by second step. You know, all those little things that get – hammered every day and gone over and you know then you can look at on tape and there's I look at such there's so much undiscipline on defense when I watch it today and and because there's just not enough time to teach these things but the one thing that'll happen is you know when you get a team that plays a lot of different defenses a lot of different fronts and things like that you run the football on them and uh, I thought that Philadelphia would have more success rushing the football against the Chiefs but uh, looking at the Chiefs on defense, they lined up in a different defense every snap. Maybe the same front, but they would bring a guy. Then they shifted to do a five-down look, and then they'd plug a linebacker. They couldn't figure it out. They had him on the ropes. And I know they gave up a lot of points, but they made him go the long, hard road. They sure did. In the second half, defensively, I thought they really excelled. Hey, Coach, when you look at this Eagles team, how do they bounce back next season from this tough loss in the Super Bowl? Well, I think they have to go back and, and uh, realize 
how good they, they are. They're going to lose some players. Whenever you're in the Super Bowl, everybody comes and tries to raid your rosters. That happens all the time. But uh, the biggest issue is that they continue to grow. You know, they do such a good job of teaching. They, the players just have got to continue to get better and better and better. I was disappointed in their defensive front. I didn't think they played very well in the Super Bowl. Uh, those things have got to get resolved. They've got terrific talent. And they played good, but they didn't play great. And if you don't play great, you're going to get beat in the Super Bowl. And finally, Coach Jalen Hurts with a, a, an excellent performance last night. What do you think of him? I think he's really a good player. I don't know if he's a great player yet. Um, and it, the dimension, of course, with him being able to rush the football is really unique in the league. And, you know, the, the of course, the downside to that would be you know, if he gets injured, then you lose that aspect of it, and you have to change gears unless your backup is like him, you know. So I think he's uh, really grown as a passer. Some of the throws he made were ridiculous. I know his, his shoulder was hurting him on the deep ball. You know, even the one that was a touchdown wasn't a real good throw. But, you know, that's just because of his shoulders and completely mended yet. But I think he's he's continued to get better. That's why I was saying next year, you know, here's here's step number two. Now number three is we come back and be dominant and win the Super Bowl. And you know, he's going to continue to grow and get better too. And if people have not heard you with us over the course of the last couple of months, as we move away from the Super Bowl, head towards the 2023 season, you're a big fan of the Detroit Lions. I am I, for a lot of reasons. I, th- I think if you want to watch great coaching and watch guys execute the details of football at the highest level, watch them. They're coached extremely well. And they've got a, and this may have something to do with it too, but their whole staff are former players that played for a long time that understand the details of the position and can communicate them on a different level. And I think that, uh, you know, they, they rush the football so well because they, they morph into different things from week to week in the running game. And they're so physical up front on, on the offensive line. And, you know, the quarterback played really well. Is he a great quarterback? No. Is he good enough? Yeah, he's good enough. But they just score points, do a great job. They will probably end up being in, uh, go, going deep into the playoffs. They're, they're going to have to really uh, answer some problems in the secondary, I think, uh, in this draft and in the, in the, you know, in the offseason, some free agents too. But I love their, their middle linebacker. I think he's a terrific player. Uh, they got some really good young players that are going to develop they're on defense, but I think that this is a team that's going to show up big here in the next few years. Mike Martz, we've enjoyed having you on during the course of this season. We've loved your work at the33rdteam.com. People need to check that out. Anybody who loves getting into the intricacies of football, you have an amazing staff there. We'll talk soon. We appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, guys. You bet. Take Take care. care. That is Mike Martz. He's our coach here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. He's, he brings stuff to the table. You and, and Mike bring stuff to the table that we just don't know, which is really cool. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, just hearing the, the mindset, the breakdown, I wanted him to get into when you get that, you know, you get that report of, okay, they are 100% man-to-man on third down inside the five. How excited do you get when you get that opportunity to get third down inside the five? Because I think that's what the Kansas City Chiefs saw. Both of those conversions for touchdown were third and goal from the five going in, and you know they're going to be 100% man or they're going to be 90% man. And when you see the man-to-man coverage, it's like, oh, this is the best thing ever. And it's like that first play against... Minnesota in the 99 season 
and we asked Mike about it if he knew they were going to score a touchdown. He said, I knew, I knew we were going to have a big play out of it yeah. because all you need is w- that safety taking one step towards one receiver, yep. right? Yep. And that's what happened. The safety took one step towards Torrey Holt, then didn't have time to get back at Isaac's one-on-one. By the way, Isaac started off that play against Dwayne Rudd. They also knew that. But like you say, I mean, you, you had plays like that that yeah. you knew right away, right? We're, we're when gonna... you get aligned, you know, based on the play that you have, it's going to work because that's the alignment you've seen all week in practice. Mm-hmm. That's the coverage you've seen all week in practice. And now all you have to do is go out and execute the play like you did in practice. Coming up here on the opening drive, Kerry and Randy, what are some of the other emerging teams to look out for next NFL season? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I think if you want to watch great coaching and watch guys execute the details of football at the highest level, watch them. They're coached extremely well. They rush the football so well because they they morph into different things from week to week in the running game. And they're so physical up front on on the offensive line. And, you know, the quarterback played really well. Is he a great quarterback? No. Is he good enough? Yeah, he's good enough. But they just score points. Mike Martz talking about the Detroit Lions as we look towards 2023. CD, there's a lot of teams that I think have a chance to ascend because of the players that they have on hand and perhaps some of the changes that they've made. And Mike has talked about the Lions for a long yeah. time, and I know you've really liked throughout the course of the season what you saw from Detroit, too. If if we're going to pick one NFC team that we say, okay, that's going to be an emergent team, yeah. it is Detroit. Yeah, I mean, you had the Amon Ross St. Brown who played extremely well. You have Jamison Williams who really didn't get going uh, in the manner in which I think he will be next year. And then the, the running game with DeAndre Swift and 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 James, uh, Jamal Williams, mm-hmm. the way that they run the football, that, Coach Marks talked, Marks talked about it, they can do multiple things in the run game. Swift is a guy that can hit the edges and get outside, and Williams is a guy that can go right up the middle and do everything you need to do uh, in that short yardage, tough round, tough uh, ground and pound type of run game. So they do have – Offensively, they have a lot of weapons, a lot of guys that, and Jared Goff is a guy that went from, you know, we were talking about the Lions taking a quarterback in the first round, and now you're looking at it and saying, nah, they probably are good Sign him. with what they have, um, and they're going to be okay. They are a team that is on the rise. I think if you look at the New York Jets, that's another team with a quarterback mm-hmm. that could be on the rise. There have been talks about potentially getting Aaron Rodgers because we know the Packers want to move on from him. That's a team that you look at and say, they are. They had both rookies of the year, and probably had the third rookie of the year in Brees Hall, who got injured, mm-hmm. you know, halfway through the season. So they're a team. When you're looking at what they have in in, in coming back into next year, they're going to be a tough team to to go against as well. In that division, Miami. We we don't know what QBR is, but we're told it's important. Yeah. And Tua had the third <laughs> highest QBR in the league. At uh, he he was only behind Mahomes and Josh Allen. If they can keep Tua healthy, and by the way, they also didn't have Byron Jones this mm-hmm. year. He never did get healthy. If Byron Jones and Xavier Howard are healthy, you got the best pair of corners in the league probably. And they got Bradley Chubb signed him to an extension, so they've got a pass rusher. Mm-hmm. They've got. A, a lot of really good elements. I think they need to enhance their offensive line, but you have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, Gusecki at tight end. They could probably use an upgraded running back, but I think Miami's another team with the job that Mike McDaniel did in his first year coaching them. I, I think Miami is a threat too. I think so as well. I think when you're looking at um, it, it's, it's all boils down to whether Tua can stay healthy or mm-hmm. not. Is he able to 
play and and recover from those concussions that he had. You know, I, I think the Miami Dolphins did a poor job of protecting him, letting him go back out there knowing that he was concussed in the game that he got his first concussion in, and then obviously the Cincinnati game where he really banged his head against the turf. That is a team that if he's healthy, yes, they are they are on the on the rise. I'm looking at this at this uh list of teams and I don't see any other teams that really give me hope or or give me something that can say a team that didn't make the playoffs that I'm looking at right now that could potentially make a make a run towards let, the playoffs next year. Let me give you one and they aren't on the list because they aren't young. But what about the Broncos? We talked Sean about them Payton. earlier. The Sean Payton getting there and 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 what Russell Wilson did last season was was atrocious. It was it was one of the worst displays of quarterback plays from a veteran that I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't good enough. And you saw it on the sideline. It, it it boiled over on the sideline with a couple of teammates. That Broncos defense was giving up 17 to 18 points a game, and they were still losing games by a touchdown. They, they just couldn't score. So that is a team that definitely, if Sean Payton can – work his magic on Russell Wilson, and Russell Wilson actually buys in, they could be really good next year. And I could absolutely see Jackson in the Super Bowl next year. Really? Yep. I think they have enough Hmm. good players. They've got a terrific pass rush uh, with Walker and uh, uh, Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've made their corner situation good. They can use a linebacker. Up front, they're they're pretty good. They've got the running back now in Etienne. They've got a couple of good receivers, and then they've got Trevor Lawrence. They got they got Evan Ingram, who I believe is a free agent as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're yeah. going to be able to resign him with the way that he played last season. That's going to be a big loss if he doesn't come back because he's going he's gonna to get paid this offseason because he played extremely well. And, and, and there's another team, and I, I don't want to sound like a homer, but I think the Pittsburgh Steelers no, are another you. team with Kenny Pickett, with that young core of receivers, that young core of guys that they have offensively. You got uh, T.J. Watt off the edge being a, a wrecking havoc in, in quarterbacks on, in backfields. I think that's a team that with another year under its belt could be really, really good. One of the most important things about offensive line play beyond just the quality of the players is continuity. That was the only team in the league that had every offensive lineman start every game in 2022. And it, it that group being together will benefit them next year. Pick it with a second year. Like you said, they've got the receivers. They've got Najee Harris. There's a lot to like. about, And they're as well coached as anybody in terms of the head coaching. Offensive play calling leaves something to be desired at yeah. times. But that's one I'm sure that Mike Tomlin will go to the offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, right? Yeah. And say, look, here's what we need to do. Yeah. I, I would hope so. Another team that that did make the playoffs, but I don't know if you really count them as a playoff team, is the Baltimore Ravens. If Lamar Jackson is healthy and they mm-hmm. decide they're still trying to figure out their offensive coordinator uh, situation, if they can figure out who is the right person to lead him and show him. And, you know, th- there were times where we talked about it, Randy. They had receivers in the same spot and you want to blame the quarterback. That is not good football. That is not good spacing. When you have two or three guys in the same spot, one person can cover both of them. You don't have a window to throw it in. And so if they, they can find a an OC that can get this passing game, maybe sign a receiver in the in, in free agency or draft a good enough one that can that can, you know, open some things up for Lamar. I think that's going to be a good, a dangerous team as well going into next season. Okay, we've talked before about Marvin Lewis le- having to leave Baltimore and go somewhere else and succeed yep. as a defensive coordinator yep. to get a head coaching job. How about this? How about 
You know where I'm going, mm-hmm. here, don't you? Yep. Eric Bieniemy. Yeah, yeah. To Baltimore. That would be. I mean, oftentimes you don't want to make a lateral move in terms of going from OC to another OC position, but as you said, to get from underneath the thought process that Andy Reid is the one, you know, calling the plays or or the one that orchestrates that offense, go out and do it your own way. And what better place would you rather do it with a form with with a former NFL MVP than Lamar Jackson? Get some guys that can get the that he can get the ball to and show how explosive he really is, both in the pass game and the run game. And I don't think Andy Reid would stand in enemy's way. Oh no, no, I don't think so either. And Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, obviously a an Andy Reid protege as well. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch toward a balloon party with T Mac and Ajax. We've got rock and roll next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Before we get to rock and roll, we're coming up on Mardi Gras time. And we're thinking about, okay, where do I get a king cake? And... Our friends at MacArthur's Bakery, which are incredible, uh, they've got this king cake with raspberry filling, and obviously they're the king of king cakes at MacArthur's Bakery. So just check them out online at MacArthur's.com. You can get free delivery on your king cake from MacArthur's. They're great, and they're good friends, so hope you will patronize them during this Mardi Gras. All right, what do we got on rock and roll, Matthew? I wanted I, we th- talked about this actually before the show, and then we got a text that made me want to bring this into rock and roll because I wanted to talk with Mr. Kerry Davis about this because we got a text here from the six three six, and they're talking about halftime adjustments. The thing about halftime adjustments is it's easier for the down team when you're the up team. You don't need to change, but when you're the down team, you feel the need to change to make changes and adjustments. And I want to bring in some audio right here from some people who had to deal with it. Peyton Manning in his last Manning cast of this season back uh, in mid January. January, he was made a quip about halftime adjustments. Here's what Peyton and Eli Manning had to say about quote-unquote halftime adjustments. All those halftime adjustments really paid off right there. That I don't know about you, I don't think I ever made a halftime adjustment in my entire 18-year career. I think it's the biggest myth in football, the halftime adjustments, right? You go in, yeah, but you, eat, you use the restroom, you eat a couple of oranges, and then the head coach says, all right, let's go. Yeah, no question. I mean, you're in there for like three minutes. Yeah, you know? There's no time. And then a couple days later, Tony Dungy, obviously the coach for Peyton Manning, was on with Dan Patrick. He was asked of a similar question. Here was his response to Dan Patrick. That's what it's basically all about. You throw out a few plays that don't look good. You accentuate some things that did look good, but you aren't making major changes in there. So, Kerry Davis, explain to us the myth or the actuality of, quote-unquote, halftime adjustments in a football game. Well, that's pretty much it. You, you realize, well, that play didn't work. We don't need to continue to beat our head against the wall on that one. So we're not probably going to run that one again. But there are adjustments off of that play, or there are plays that are better suited than that play. And so those are the plays that you decide to run. If you realize that this power isn't working, maybe we're going to go counter. Maybe we're going to go outside zone instead of inside zone you don't but the 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 base plays that you you have the things that you are who you are who your identity is those stay the same and Peyton is is spot on you you go in what is it 15 minute half you go in use the restroom is it 12 12, minutes minutes. in a regular game you go in use the restroom sit down uh you know 
you might talk to one of your teammates, eat a, 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 a orange or a banana or a Gatorade bar, as you saw Travis Kelsey eating on the sideline. Mm-hmm. And then the offenses go together, the defenses go together. Hey, good job, guys. First half, we did this, 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 this. We got to do this a little bit better. We got to tackle better defense. We're not <laughs> tackling well enough. We got to get them on the ground. D-line, we got to get pressure. We got to get to the quarterback. Those are the comments. It's not, hey, first half stunk. We're going to scratch the whole game plan and redo it in six minutes. Yeah, no, that'll never happen. And ultimately, because people might not realize this either, you get to the second half of a fourth quarter. You get to the last seven and a half minutes of the game. Everybody's worn out, right? It's People are tired. Even the, the, the extraordinary players that don't get tired, the Lawrence Taylors of the world, are few and far between. One thing Coach Venturi always said was, hey, you get to that point of the game, and it just comes down to talent. You, you just throw the game plan out the window. It's the guys, it's the best players that win games for you at the end of a game. Guys got to make plays. And as I said earlier, I was watching that game last night. In that fourth quarter, last four minutes, I said someone got to get home if you're the Philadelphia Eagles. Someone has to get home. Somebody has to make mm-hmm. a sack. Somebody has to get pressure in Patrick Mahomes' face. Their, be- their offensive line played better than the Philadelphia Eagles' defensive line, and Patrick Mahomes was able to have time, find receivers, scramble when he needed to, and that's what won the game. It wasn't a a a play drawn up that you say, oh, that was one of the best plays ever. No, it's guys executing the job that they have in front of them and doing it better than their opponent. And by the way, the best adjustments, like Coach March was talking about, Spags didn't have a similar look all night long. Yeah. So that's the adjustment you make. You, you always give the opposition a different look. Even if, if you're running the same thing, just give them a different look. That's the thing. They are running the same thing, just changing it from a four-man front to a five-man front. That means you walk the linebacker down. That changes the count for the offensive line and who they're blocking or who they're going to. If you move back to a four-man front, oh, no, now it changed again. That's why you saw oftentimes Jalen Hurts at the line with three, four, five seconds left on the play clock trying to make adjustments, telling them what needed to be done because that movement, that shifting of the of the defensive line changes who you're blocking and who you're going to. And I think one example in the game that you can pick out, I think a lot of people are, are accentuating that split back uh, sweet play they ran for that big first down uh, that, that that almost you know bro- broke yeah, everything Pacheco. open. Pacheco, yep. The interesting thing about that is you know they're they're not running up the middle well at all. That wasn't something they just like put in halftime because the, the things weren't working in the first half. That's a deep part of their game plan that they're saying we we wait for the moment where this one's going to strike and then they call. That's 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 Andy Reid in a nutshell as an offense coordinator. Those th- switches they're not coming in halftime. Well, those are things that they may not have practiced that play since week six. You know, or, or week eight or week 10. You don't necessarily have every single play in the playbook, but you have your plays that you know that you run well. And you say, hey, you know what? We've been trying to do this. Let's go in this formation and try to get mm-hmm. outside. And everyone knows because what you do in install and training camp is you work on all of those plays over and over and over and over <laughs> again until you can do them in your sleep. And so when you need to break it out in week uh, whatever week this is, Super Bowl week, and you haven't practiced it in four or five weeks, you already know what it is. It's not something that you have to repeat over and over and over again. It's not one of your base plays going into the game. By the way, CD, you played a lot of special teams. How about Dave Tobe going to Greg Olson before the game and saying, hey, there's never been a punt return for a touchdown in Super Bowl history? He knows. He he understood what they were and what they could do and who the who, which player he had on the mm-hmm. back end catching those punts. And he almost took it to the house. He was five yards away. I mean, that was a great return because we talked about it. It's the same thing that happened in the Cincinnati game. 
a big return set them up for a touchdown or for a game-winning field goal like it did in Cincinnati. Those plays matter. When you take a play, it's crazy, Randy. The funny thing is, when they kick the ball, I promise you, the the right wing is supposed to be all the way to the right. He's supposed to be the last one out. He's supposed to be all the way to the sideline, you know, between the sideline and the numbers. He was running right down the middle of the field. I said, "Oh, that's not going to be not going to be good." I'm thinking it's going to get outside to where he was at, where he should have been. He tried Tony tried to get outside and bounced it back yep. and went and reversed his field, but that's because guys, if I didn't watch anyone else, but if anyone else was covering down behind a guy that they shouldn't have been, that's why that return happened. When he went to his right, I would guarantee you if I saw the all 22 angle, that whole Philadelphia Eagles uh, punt team did not stay in their lanes and they started chasing them to the right and he was able to bounce it back to their left and go make a big play which helped them score that touchdown and one thing this is a little ask Uncle Randy because Randy I come to you for advice if I should be if I'm wasting my time okay Zy- Zion Williamson has just been missed is going to miss multiple weeks a little bit of a setback no in his, in, yeah. the iron horse right I know I, I can't believe <laughs> it happened if you're the Pelicans, or if you're somebody who loves watching Zion Williamson play basketball, is there hope for us? No, no, oh wow, no. If you're if you're okay. the Pelicans, cool. you don't bring I mean, him you got, back. You got hope because you got Brandon Ingram. Is he is he back yeah. yet? Is he hurt? Still? I believe he's still nursing you got that. Yeah. CJ yeah. McCollum. They have a they have a good team, but Zion Williamson is is he got a, the best available the best ability no. is available. Yeah, Zion, Zion Williamson is a really nice player and might play a few games for a long time, like Grant Hill did. But he is going to be a disappointment. And there's absolutely, it it is, it's it's a shame because he's a difference maker. But number one, his body is not built for basketball at 285 pounds. You just can't put the kind of stress and strain on his body that he does. And I just wonder now if his conditioning is taking a toll on him. It's hard when you, you get guys that you have so much hope for mm-hmm. that that don't pan out due to injuries. Greg Oden comes to mind. Brandon Roy comes yeah. to my mind as yep. one of the best players, young players that just injuries just bit him and was not able to continue his career. You hate to see that because you, you know these guys have all the potential in the world but for whatever reason their bodies just can't handle the day in and day out uh, pounding of, of playing professional sports. It, it's tough to see. If you haven't seen it, did you ever watch the 30 for 30 about Bernard King? I didn't. Of the Knicks. No. He was a stud. Led the league in scoring. I mean, he was a stud. Tore his knee up and was never the same again. Yeah. But he would have been one of the all-time greats. Yeah. But just didn't get that opportunity. All right, Matthew, great job. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. That's our uh, producer engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio, CD. All right, the Super Bowl is behind us, Super Bowl 57. And so baseball starting tomorrow. Cardinals and pitchers and catchers report. First workout is on Wednesday. And, of course, we have the Blues tomorrow as well. So we are back to uh, the St. Louis wheelhouse. What's tomorrow? We're going to be talking with uh, some Cardinals baseball, Xavier Scruggs tomorrow. Oh, he's already in, huh? He's already in, yes. Good. Xavier Scruggs, Xavier Scruggs saying that he'll be shocked if Jordan Walker is not the National League Rookie of the Year. Our buddy, broadcasting uh, comrade and former Cardinal, Xavier Scruggs, tomorrow here on the opening drive. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us. Until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.